Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Kathy, I'm about to tell you something that I never told any girl on a first date. But I think it's important that you know I like to wear women's clothes. I like to wear women's clothes, panties, brassiere, sweaters, pumps. It's just something I do. And I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I really like you and I don't want it getting in the way down the road. Does this mean you don't like podcasting with girls? No, I love podcasting with girls. <laughs> well, not today. <laughs> That's my favorite dialogue exchange in the movie. No, I mean, it's good. I just Lugosi, you know? You could have done Lugosi. That's podcasting, motherfucker. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no one gives two fucks about podcasting. <laughs> pull the strings. Pull the podcast. I don't know. Pull, yeah. yeah. Podcast that. Mm, no, you know it's what? A, yeah. Pod the cast. Pod the cast. Pod the cast. Be aware. Be aware. I always like, here's the thing I, I hate. Go ahead. This is one of my five favorite movies. I'm just out with it. I love this, this movie. Is top, this is top five for he me all time. I love this I'm, movie. Too. I'm with you. I love yeah, it too. This is a wonderful movie. Um, and uh, I, I feel like unfairly now, a lot of this film's legacy is Samuel Jackson is constantly shit talking the fact that Martin Lando beat him. Like it, it certainly interviews. was for a while. I think it's gone past oh, that. What was, it, uh, what was he uh, used he to complain? For? Like what? he was up for Pulp Fiction. Oh, and he used yeah, to sure. complain like. Ed Wood, no one even saw that thing. Like, come on. Like, he was. He I gave one of the most iconic performances of all time. Who even talks about Martin Lando and Ed Wood? And yeah. It's like, I talk about it literally it's every a day. Great, of my it's, life. it's the performance like that you could imagine beating almost anyone. And the, other, right. and the hard thing about it is Samuel L. Jackson's never going to get another swing. No. At, a, at an award. Probably not. He'd probably, you know, how many, you how know. So how many more movies did he have ahead of him? He gets at that so point? few bites at the apple. I know, right? Exactly. Martin is, Lando was only right. 95 years old. <laughs> Like, here are two crazy facts. One, Martin Lando lived another 20 years after this movie. I was just say, right? He was not. He did lie. He was pretty no, old. He lived to, like, 99. Oh, really? He he made it a long No, he lived to 89. Really? Yeah. He looked he about just, 99. <laughs> he was an old man. Wait a second. He was 35 in Ed Wood? <laughs> he was, yeah. He was sort of, Martin Lando, much like Bela Lugosi, is yes. a cartoon Eastern European that you kind of can't believe was a real person. Mm-hmm. Martin Lando was kind of a cartoon old guy. Yes. Like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I only think of him as an old guy. You see pictures of him in, you know, you what see him in Mission Impossible. Excuse me. Right. Space 1999. Space yes. 1999. You're like, oh, right. He North was That's my yeah. default Lando. Yeah. Interesting. Space my- 1999. Okay. Fair enough. I was thinking, I would think more of Mission Impossible. Who's but- yours? Crimes no. and Misdemeanors? No, it's Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Yeah. For me, it's probably, default. Probably yeah. Crimes default. and Misdemeanors. No, no, but see, he disappears into this role. You, you yeah, like this leading Lando, like, though. That's why you like Space Lando. Lando. Yeah. He doesn't look like Martin Lando in this movie. Well, that's it. This movie, it's kind it wins of amazing. two Oscars. It wins Lando yeah. and the makeup, the makeup which is yeah. one of the least showy and most effective makeup jobs in film history. It's crazy. Right. It's incredible how well they transform without it looking like a Sasha Baron Cohen character. Yeah. Right, Where right. it's like his face doesn't move. He looks like he's made of rubber. It's it, And they have dramatically different faces. Yeah, Martin Lando yeah. has such a, a di- very distinctive face. And Bela Lugosi has a very distinctive sure. face. And I there's a thing on the... It's such a good job that he can watch a movie with the real they Bela Lugosi. They intercut the real footage. Right. And yeah. you're like, yeah, 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 it's Bela Lugosi. Well, also, he he was supposed to be a, a withered shell yeah, of he's himself. Run down. He's so. run down. But it looks like that's a withered shell of that real guy yeah. there. Uh, on, on the DVD on the special features, they have like a whole thing with Rick Baker. And he was like, you know, I love Lugosi. 
Sure. I was like really honored that Tim reached out to me and like offered me this thing. And I said, like, this is impossible. Like these are fundamentally different faces. Sure. Right. Lando has this very long face. He's got a long sort of Frankenstein y sure. right. shape. With to like his a face. very more pronounced, like upper lip. It got long because he was in that low gravity environment for so space long. Space nineteen ninety. Space nineteen. You're gonna hijack this and just party like it's space nineteen ninety nine. I've this ever whole seen that much space nineteen ninety nine. I, I, not a lot was made, right. right? And I'm pretty sure I saw all of it, but not. What since was I the was concept? Nine. It was like Apart the runoff Battlestar. Right? It was well before Battlestar. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it, it Jerry Anderson? <clears throat> it was crazy. Wait, it was fully live action Jerry Anderson. It was post Thunderbirds. <laughs> yeah. Jerry Only Barbara Anderson. Bain was a marionette. <laughs> weirdly, <laughs> oh, yeah, she's like, I'll take the the press photos, but I'll be a marionette in the show. Right. Is it like a space station <clears throat> show? Oh, here's the premise. Okay. Yeah, space station, moon base alpha yeah. on the moon. Oh, moon base. All and then right. there's a bad explosion. The moon gets kicked out of orbit. Oh, oh and dear. And traveling <laughs> through the cosmos. But it's still, we're still circling the moon. No, Earth is left behind. Okay. It's not very scientific. Because <laughs> their <laughs> whole premise the is, how are we going to get the moon back to Earth when uh -huh. they should have figured out, oh, Earth is finished now. <laughs> like, That's it. We got to go. Done. We're done. <laughs> you know the story about when Jerry Anderson pitched Landau Space 1999, right? No, I do not know it. He asked Lando to come visit him on the Thunderbird set, and mm -hmm. he was like, it's going to be like this. It's a show. You'll be the leading man voicing it, but it's going to be all puppets. And Landau said, pull the strings, and I'm in. Hello, everybody. My name's Griffin Newman. Pull the string. There you go. Pull the string. Pull, pull the strings. Pull the string. Pull the string. What's your name? Oh, David Sims. I'm sorry. It's blank check with Griffin. I was David. so horrified by your joke that I was like trying to reset it. Foolishly scary joke. <laughs> this is a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their career and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Certainly, like Ed Wood. Yes. Yeah. Tim Burton at this point is firmly in this sort of one for me, one for them mm -hmm. mode. Mm -hmm. But but all his ones for me were also very expensive and done on a major studio level. Sure, sure. And this was the first one where he really had to like fight to make a movie that seemed aggressively uncommercial. Right. And was. Right. <laughs> but he was like such a big populist studio filmmaker. He had like somehow made these very esoteric interests of his into like very mainstream things. Mm -hmm. Right. You're saying like Edward Scissorhands, no one's going to say like, oh, that's a surefire box office success. And then it was. Right. 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 So this, I guess he could be like, well, no one thought Edward Scissorhands would work. This will work. Yes. Yeah. People will go to see Ed Wood. But like no one wanted to make this fucking movie. <laughs> no. And and then it did poorly. But it's my favorite film of his. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's also my that's favorite That's the thing film that surprised. I didn't realize it was a bomb. It was until, a huge bomb. Huge bomb. Until, because uh, I was a, I was a, a grown up when this uh -huh. movie came out. Yeah, I'm a very old man. Where did you see it? By the way, my name's John Hodgman. Oh, John Hodgman's Our here. Yes, John Hodgman. Judge John Hodgman, the honorable sitting yeah, here. Host of the Judge John Hodgman podcast, co-star of The Tick Season 2. Oh my God. Hey. With Griffin Newman. You're like the big new character. Wait, when is this two. posting? Now I'm going to check. Sometime, sometime in 2019. February, yes. March? Uh, early February. Do you have February Does it have the a, pre a premiere date? No. Uh, no, I've heard conflicting rumors. <laughs> okay. You know what's good? Quarter is one, <laughs> 219. When you, when you hear conflicting thing. I love it. I'm not always a sign of stressed <laughs> at all. I haven't been losing sleep for months. Now, now, now you, you get your sleep. Yeah. I worry I know, about trying. you. I'm trying. You have to understand it's hard for them to press the button to put the thing on the stream. <laughs> it's so tough. It takes a while for them to get to the room, the button room. Yes. Yes. And to, to be fair, the whole they're, thing. they're on a very rushed post-production schedule of nine months. We finished filming season two, I think, in 1984. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't 
No, it wasn't yeah. that. It, it, when it comes out, it'll be a while. But uh, uh, you're phenomenal on the show. Well, you, you're an incredible actor. Well, come on. You're an incredible actor. As, uh, as I said on set, apparently. You said to me, I want I you to know. this line. You said, I think you're a very good actor. And I said, oh, come on. And you said, no, I mean it. And I know about acting because I've seen Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. That was your line. That was a that was that really my line. I that think was you were your making line. a joke you said, about no, that. No, no, no. You said I just watched it on a plane, so I know about acting. That was a very important movie going experience for me. Watching right. Murder on the Orient Express. Had on you a plane. just watched? Right, you were on OCI. You had literally just ingested the Orient Express. I, yep. I opened my mouth. You taken the ride? <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't there a ride? You boarded the train. Why isn't there a theme park? God, Universal should open a whole Poirot Land. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Are they are they doing a Marple verse or you know like a Chris a Christie verse? They're doing a Poro follow up. They're doing, they are Death, doing on the Death on the Nile. On the Nile yes. You could get in that. You should be in that, John. You, you can don't you know. imagine like we're in Cairo or something, and it's like you've got a fan. Sir, sir. Yeah. You're holding him, running <laughs> after him with a telegram. Sir. You, you know, you're wearing a like little, a khaki suit. Thank you very much. I'm a little old to play a bellhop. It would be a <laughs> Not a sad, bellhop. I'm saying like his sala or something. It would be a sad bellhop. I'm saying like a Peter Ustinov would, type. Well, I guess well, Ustinov yeah, played Ustinov Poirot. Was Poirot. And that was, he was my Poirot. Right. Sure. But I'm so, thinking much like, like Space 1999 see, was your Landau. Yes. That was my Landau. And Ustinov was your Poirot. But I remember, I remember that somehow... I, I did not manage to see Black Panther when it came out <laughs> that week, but uh-huh. I did manage to see Murder, Murder on the Express, Express on an airplane. And sure. I realized for a straight white only child uh-huh. from Brookline, Massachusetts, That's your Black Panther. that was my Black Panther. <laughs> that was your Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. And it, Murder on the Orient Express was like, so finally someone sees me. Right. And it was received <laughs> as such by the culture as a massive moment for representation uh, in American media. Yeah. Well, sorry. I, I, I don't. I don't want to say sidetrack. Sure. But that was a sidetrack. No, I don't. I'm not saying a bellhop, but I feel like his like Sala, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I want you to I'm be playing the Josh Gad role in this I'm movie. I think you, we no, got to plus it off. You should what? be like the, the, the mayor or the, the local, you know, dignitary uh, commissioner. Exactly. Mayor the guy, of the Nile. You know, they, mayor, have to, they yeah. go to, they go to an office or a palace or something and you're sitting there behind a desk. I do a lot of desk work. Yeah. You know, you're in, flapping a fan. In, in streaming media, <laughs> film and television. Yeah. That's all the, I'm mostly known for my desk work. I think desk work is good. Also, you're check sitting? out, check out my incredible back of the head acting. <laughs> In, in in the Nick season two. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, really? incredible, incredible. Your no, big thing, and not no spoilers, but your big thing in Tick season two, you kind of redefine clipboard acting. <laughs> oh, you noticed this man holds the shit out of a clipboard in Tick Boy. season two. It's actually a tablet that kept. Oh, oh, it was like right. a, right. a, a high tech that kept freezing up. That kept freezing up, or like yeah, It'll go to the whole so screen or something. Yeah. Anyway, we had a great time. We had a great together. time. Yeah. I, I became a, a true blanky checkhead well, during that, right. that time. So you're and saying, David, I met you at a wedding. Nice yeah, to see that's you again. true. Nice. You were the DJ. I was the DJ. You did a, a great a job. Wedding. Thank you very much. Although the the greatest moment was uh, the bride freaking out at you when you uh, were moving on from one song so soon that I thought that was very funny because you were doing a very professional job. You were like. You know, fading in and out of things, and you were, you know, it was like I was trying to keep it moving. Yeah, exactly. And then, but then there was one song that I, I guess the the bride, uh, yeah, well, I guess it's her special day, right? Was like, <laughs> no, we like, was like, well, we must, we sure. must finish this one. Yep. And you were very, you were a good deed. You're like, oh, of course. You no, know, I was, you, you know, I was right. like, you know what? Fine, I put it on <laughs> repeat over and over, and I walked you away. Walked Fine. <laughs> Fine. Fine. You threw your headphones to the ground. Jesus. Jesus. 
yeah. Okay, Landau. Ed, oh, so this is what I was saying. Oh, oh, I was a, oh. I was an elderly man. Sure. I mean, I was a grown man yeah. then. When Prime this of came my out. life, nineteen ninety four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty three years old. I remember we're, reading. We're about talking. It. I'm a young. Remember, I remember reading. You remember about reading about me much, going to see the movie. Yeah, that you were just <laughs> killing it. Prime of your life. September thirtieth was this a good month for you? September nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four. So yeah, I had moved. I just moved to New York. There oh. you go. New York City in Conquer in January Jungle. of that year. All right, all right. And I'm, now I'm trying to remember. Maybe I saw it at the Chelsea. I was going to say, yeah. Did you see it in a theater? What's I, now the the Sinopolis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Which one on, used to be a United Artists, I believe. Um, sure. I, I don't. Think, yeah, I don't. The twenty third, twenty third Street. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I think that that's probably that's where I was seeing a lot of movies. I'm, mm-hmm. There were a bunch of movie theaters up on the. Upper Upper West Side, sure. where I lived, I was 105th Street and Broadway. So there were a couple of movie theaters. Oh, the up there. 84th and Broadway, yeah, classic Lowe's, yeah. of course. Yeah. But there was the, all, the New Yorker Theater, but that closed when I was a right, kid. Right, I used yeah, to yeah. live up there. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. There were others. The only place you lived as a kid. That's right. We're not. We're not talking about where you lived as a kid. We lived in New York, and that's right. the end of the story. And we can move on. Lived in New York. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. must be. I did. Amazing to have spent your whole childhood in New York City. The whole time, the entirety of it. Classic uh, downtown Griffey Nams. No, Brookline, Massachusetts. This is the big time. Oh, it, oh, was, wow. it was the big time. It's you true. must have really seen a different way of life. So, right. so you see the movie. I'm not to this bait. You're, I loved it. Your 99 had Landau is back. But you know, I, I, I'm a, I, at this point in my life, I'm a huge Tim Burton fan and supporter. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would say, I guess I am now. Sure. I, he's not. The filmmaker that he was, but that sure. was a miracle. In the, in, in the day, yeah, right? Yes. He'd done the Batman's and Edward Scissorhands, and this yeah. is an exciting new, right? And Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Pee-wee, right? Well, I mean, of course. Like, and so, and Beetlejuice, and, and this was this was like this movie seemed like such a step forward, yes. in how he was going to direct it, movies. It felt like right. a big evolution. And then I guess he decided that was wrong. Well, it's no. also it's his yeah. first movie about real people. Yeah, like no right. offense to Pee Wee or Beetlejuice. No, or no, right, but, you know, exactly. like, yeah, right. These are humans who have regular needs, and, and he desires. did a good job with humans. He did yeah. a great job. It's his first grown-up movie. And he, you it's know, he brings a board like Johnny yeah. Depp. It's as, is close, sort of it's like, as yeah. close as Johnny Depp has ever played. Gotten to playing I, a human. I think 100%. it's Depp's best performance. Oh, I yeah. do too. I, is I, that I, even incredible? In this I mean, movie. I guess yeah. he's given a lot of performances. This is my this favorite. A good, I mean, d- this is a his real in the pocket couple of years because I mean, Donnie Brasco is probably his best. He's so good in Donnie Brasco, like serious movie, like fully <laughs> sure, serious sure, sure. performance. That's him, like going for it, being like, "Pay attention to me. I am a serious actor. I'm walking right. here. He, right. is walking <laughs> he was there. walking. He's walking all over Donnie Brasco. Yes, Donnie right. Brasco's sitting in a chair most of the time. He's doing some chair work. Actually, yeah, chair that's a lot of Pacino chair yeah. work. Yeah. Um, but th- but this is like this feels like a performance that only this one actor at this one period of time before he became right. uh, a wine vampire, uh, you know, Dep- could have Dep- given. Oh, and European rock star, a European rock star, uh, g- general all around creep. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this this performance feels like. I mean, I think this is when he sort of becomes like for a certain group of people the guy. Like, this is kind yeah. of the weirdest, most interesting leading man. He's got Dead Man the next year, too. He's yeah. so good in the oh, 90s. He's, like, really in this run He, of he has stuff. a very cool run in the 90s. Because Gilbert Grape is the year before. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, the next year is Dead Man and Don, Don Juan DeMarco, which is a nice little movie. I don't like this at all. Well, now that I'm seeing you... Oh, got Rattle the his stuff oh, off. You don't like well, yeah. he's got the computer. And, and he's looking at a computer. Well, otherwise, it's going to be a lot of like, like when I'm, what did he do? Yeah. Uh, you know, come on. When I'm making here. dinner, listening, and I have you in my head. You think it's off the dome? I feel like it's totally off the dome. Well, it's, but it's uh, not. I it's do, off I, the I, pad. I, it's not all off the pad. Look, he's roasting me now. Now oh, I feel roasted. Yeah. 
Wait, no, no, that's good. I'm glad to. No, I'm glad no, to no, know that you're human. It's it's I'm yeah, very, it really truly. I mean, human. it really. It, yeah. Okay. It makes me that's, feel more you know, comfortable. If you, if you prick me. In, so I, I see this movie. Yeah. And it's and it's a it's an amazing film. A wonderful, a film. huge a huge step forward for him. Mm-hmm. A, a really enjoyable film gets a, a huge amount of critical attention. Yes. I grew up in the '90s believing this movie did good. Yeah, I did not sure. know until yesterday that it did bad. It did badly. It did, it did poorly. It was like critically acclaimed across the board. Right. Pretty it, much it won Oscars, acclaimed. which any studio it loves won to win an Oscar. Oscars. Yeah, right. And in a very competitive year, I mean, 94, that was the, the Forrest Gump quiz show, Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. There's year. a, there's a world, right. right. Where, you know, I guess a less crowded year, Edward would have maybe gotten some more nominations yeah. and all that. Samuel L. Jackson was robbed that year, I believe. Well, and was, larceny. His Grand big thing larceny. was like, look, I gave this performance that was so iconic. Yeah, but, and they gave it to Lando as a Lifetime Achievement Award. I think you watched this. This is not a Lifetime Achievement no. performance. No. This isn't just a guy showing up and like, this isn't Donna Meche in Cocoon. No. Where you're like, oh, he's charming. Right. This is All like right. such a fucking real deal performance. A huge, huge yes. career And a really tricky performance. Well, yeah. also, the thing was, Samuel Jackson is a quasi-lead anyway. Agreed. And they ran him in supporting because they were running Travolta as the lead. But they have so equal screen of, time. Right. right. They must. So they were, they were kind of just like splitting the difference. And yeah. like that that may have done him in. I don't know. Like, like Tom Hanks was probably always going to win Best Actor. This is why I always said on set, how many times did I say this? Awards? Bullshit. Awards Literally, bullshit. you said can it I curse on during. Ev- yes, you can curse. You said it during it. every take. Yeah. Which okay. we lost a lot of good footage. <laughs> so Sometimes I try to be polite and just. Ruin my own takes? Yes. Right. No, you would often do it on during our lines. You would yeah. step over our lines to say awards uh, bullshit. Quick word, awards are bullshit. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't let this, Peter Serafinowicz, don't let awards get into your head. They're bullshit. Well, I, you know, I got irritated, but he was surprisingly fine with it because he's so comfortable in that costume. He was like, please yeah. eat up as much time as you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can go all day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, work talk. Oh, God. And we met at a wedding, David. We did yes. meet at a wedding. That's, That's true. true. So, of two blank check guests. It was a blank check wedding. We won't say who. <laughs> it's a total mystery, yeah. I guess. Let's do some cross calculation and figure out which two blank check guests are now married. Uh, if you're listening now and you've figured it out, go to your if you if you have your if you have your grid of blank check guests, yeah, yeah. and you've been drawing all the connections, right, you, you should be line. able to figure this out. Right. Send yeah. send in your guests. The first top top three guesses will get. An audio boom mug that yes. we can share. And a decoder ring. Yes. Right. We're going to start making decoder rings. So what happened when this movie didn't do good? Won I, an Oscar. Two Oscars. But I mean, when it, be, when it, when it became a commercial failure, mm-hmm. oh. what happened with Tim Burton well, after that? Tim Burton well, is already working on his next project, which he sees as like a sister to this movie, Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks. And I guess they're thinking like, oh, well... That'll play. That was the thing. Mars Attacks, I think movie. they viewed as an obvious home run. They were like, and he's going to make a-, a big disaster film. And he was like, I just got off of making Ed Wood. I want to make a modern version of that sort of type of sci-fi movie. Right, 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 right. And then that was so expensive. Right. And bombed harder in relation to its budget. Sure. And then I think he starts and to- And not, is not critically- Appreciate it. No, it wasn't at the time. Certainly I think now it started to build more ahead of steam. Well, if you listen to Paul F. Tompkins, it's a modern masterpiece. Well, we'll never listen to him, especially not on the subject no, of Mars He's attacks. not welcome here. No, never... he's not welcomed here. Much like you were not welcomed what? here. <laughs> um, but I think that's when he really starts to get scared. Okay. And, and it is a thing where... You I think th- this is the origin of his more craven 
like where circus come do the Tim Burton take on things because then the, the run is the Apes. I mean, Sleepy, Sleepy Hollow, Hollow Planet, Planet of the Apes, Apes Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like right. now it's like do a right. Tim Burton take on a thing that everyone. That's already when knows. it all feels like you're just putting on a thick paint of gothic emo gloss. Yes, right. On you're, other stories, you're throwing his aesthetic sensibilities onto things we already know. And there right. was the initial excitement of like, oh, I'd love to see a Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But yeah. came like. Oh God, we're gonna have to see a Tim Burton like Alice in Wonderland. You know, it became just sort of resigned. Like, right. oh, God, like, oh here we go. Helena Bottom Carter's gonna be in it. You know, so at some point or another, someone's gonna wear red and white stockings. <laughs> right. But there's this thing. I feel like I talk about this with people all the time, where they say like, so why does that actor like still do all these shitty movies? Or like, why does that that director make those choices? Like, people will ask me. Like, genuinely, I don't understand why Bruce Willis is doing this. You know. Right. And my answer is always, I think if you're ever like at the very top, it gets scary to lose it. Yeah. Even if you're a guy like Tim Burton, who I don't think starting out had delusions of becoming one of the most powerful filmmakers in Hollywood. No, he was an animator. He right. he expected to be anonymous, basically. Right, with sure. weird, and then when, even yeah, when he was doing an, live action. A, a distinct visual right. style. It was like, Disney was like, we don't know what to do with this guy. Like, give him some money to make Frankenweenie or whatever. Right. And then his movies kept on, like, growing and growing, and then he made this, like, blockbuster that redefined, like, the studio system. Sure. Like, Batman changes everything, and then, like, the blank checks he get from Batman. That, that, was, the, that was the unfinished sequel to Batman, Batman Changes Everything. Batman Changes Everything. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was his, uh, that was going to be his third after it's Batman municipal. returns. It's Batman, about he's he's like, no, to pension everything. systems, plumbing. Yes. Like he's changing the whole city of Gotham. Right, it was point. Batman right. just deals with legislature. He rolls <laughs> up his bat sleeves. <laughs> it's time for someone. It's you know, those bat sleeves are spiky reform. too. They're <laughs> hard. <laughs> so he rolls them up and they ow, puncture. Ow, ow, yeah. Ow, okay. <laughs> Um, Let's but, go. But I think then it's scary to like lose that. I'm the comptroller Gotham deserves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was a maverick. He came in, he, you know, he was an outsider that Gotham needed. Yeah. Um, but but I, I think that kind of like fucks things up. Because up re- until this point, he's like following his own bliss. And even when he's making a Batman movie, he's like, I'm doing the Batman that no one else would think to make. Yeah. And then... This Except for, for Frank Miller, maybe right a little bit, maybe. But then even like the whole visual so. sensibility yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, then, then I think it starts to become like, fuck. What do people want out of a Tim Burton movie? You right. know, right? Um, and I think perhaps if like Mars Attacks had done really well, he, he would have felt more being comfortable weird. being like every other movie. I'll do a smaller character. That was yeah, a, yeah, when yeah. we talked about which movie to see. I was like Edward with a bullet. Yeah, I was just like that's the one I want to talk about, even though. There are people who are much more qualified to talk about this movie, and you should have you should have gotten Dana Gould in here immediately. But that's another story. Oh, please, and Dana's he not said welcome no. here. Yeah, <laughs> he's not welcome here. Of course not, and he'll never be here. He'll never be here. But um, uh, but because that was the one where I felt like, oh, that's the last, and I'd forgotten about uh, Mars Attacks came after because I yeah. saw that movie and I immediately forgot it because I did not care for it. Mm-hmm. Have you? I, have you never seen it since? Okay, well, I think you'd love it today. Right. Well, maybe so. Yeah. Um, but I, but this was, I was like, oh, that was that was the last time he was re- like, I feel that like Tim Burton was really pushing a Burton envelope and making a movie and trying. I, I would argue I, Mars Attacks is the last one. And of then, those. yeah, you're, I mean, and, right. and then I think the rest of I them start to become a little bit. Even yeah. the ones I like Tim Burton, I know yeah. you're listening. I would love to work with you on any project. That's <laughs> Wait, not look, what I'm saying. I'm not I'm we, like, we'd both love to work but with him. There is a time yeah. when you were a filmmaker and then there's a time when you became a fairly consistent interior decorator. Of movies, my, I feel like. My friend Louie always had this theory that was like, I think he just kind of got happy. Yeah. Like, I think he right. stopped feeling tortured and he found some complacency within himself and he seems fairly well adjusted now. 
And I think he starts making these decisions of like, what should I be making now? And it's also, as opposed yeah. to like, what it's, what is the song of my heart? It happens to some directors, the the budget creep thing, where it's yeah. like, oh, I can't imagine making a small movie again. I'm so used to the whole industry, the you know, around. It's like I'd have to make like a little thing, also, like it's it a must pain. Be so like, hard to say no if they're like, right? Hey. If they're like, come make Dumbo. Here is so much money. Right. right. We will provide every resource you need. We you will can provide do any you actor you want. You can hire you any actor. Right. Exactly. All yeah. it really needs is there does have to be a. Uh, elephant in in it with big yeah, ears. But right. apart from that, like do what do you want. It's you want. Dumbo. Right. It's a fifty minute movie. Like you yeah. know, mess with it however you like. That must be so hard to turn down. And then I think the times that he's tried to. I mean, this is the first. There is a left thing. turn. I forgot in a later part of his career. In the two thousands, I think he tries to make three turns. Yeah. And they all underperform in relation to the movies before and after them. It takes three left turns and winds up at the same spot. Right, right. So it's like if you're Tim Burton and it's like here on one end is like Sweeney Todd. Right. Then Alice in Wonderland and then Big Eyes. Right. And maybe I'm forgetting one in between. But but it's like, well, all the encouragement seems to be coming from the fact that Alice in Wonderland made a billion dollars worldwide. Right. Why would I go back to making these other two movies that people were confused by? Right, you know, but right. he makes big eyes, and his heart doesn't seem in it. In my opinion, we'll talk about. I've, big not, eyes. Seen, I've not seen big eyes, but it was written by these guys, the yes. guys who wrote. It, yes, right. Ed it Wood. was the closest I think he's come to doing another Ed Wood. It's nowhere near as good as Ed Wood. No. It's a film I really like. It lacks the visual panache of Ed Wood, which is sort of disappointing. God, this movie looks right. gorgeous. Incredible. This movie just looks insane. Like well, it's, I, it's and very, unlike very any other Tim Burton. No, certainly. And right. I also watch it and I go, like, how did he pull this off? Like his. Aesthetic idea for this movie is make it look like a shitty movie yeah. but beautiful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's right. like a, a beautifully executed version of a really marginal B picture. Yeah. And when when he's when when Bella Lugosi, spoiler, mm-hmm. uh commits himself for uh treatment for drug addiction. Major yeah. spoiler, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and Ed Wood is talking to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And there's this scene I just I there's a scene in a hospital hallway that truly looks like they're standing in front of a scrim. Like, it is the cheapest looking. And the sure. sets are very, like, I mean, that's very Spartan. That's the yeah. thing yeah. where I just go, like, how the fuck did he pull this off? Because you have the scenes where he's shooting his movies. Right. Yeah. And the joke is that the sets of the Ed Wood films are terrible. But right. you're also in, like, an airplane hangar, right? You're, right. You know. But, there's the, but, but then, like, the airplane hangar that the set is built in is also a set. Yes. And he makes that set look artificial. Well, there are some yeah. shots, like, there's that sh- the shots, uh, like, the wrestling ring. Right. Where you're, it's a full crowd that he has, like, summoned to do. This is, yeah. like, CGI. Or right, right, This right, is right. the early 90s. Yeah. And the um, what do you call it? The, the the premieres, yeah. Like especially that one where they open and everyone is throwing popcorn at each other, and yeah. angry, you know, the, it looks like expensive. It looks yeah. it looks beautiful. Well, he had that Batman oh, changes yeah. everything money, right? He yes, did. Batman yeah. did change everything. They paid him so much to not make that movie. <laughs> Eighteen million dollars was the budget of this film. Yeah, so it was set up which at Warner Brothers, fair, which was his know, main home studio at that point. Other than Edward Scissorhands, everything he had done had been at Warner's at that point. And it's usually mm-hmm. who he works with them a lot to this day, right? Or has he now he them? goes between Warner's and Disney? Disney. Yeah. I feel like those are the two he flips between. But at that time, he was almost exclusively a Warner's boy, and he sets it up there. And he's very adamant about the fact that he wants it to be black and white. And Excuse me, he's, like, a, he's a he's a Warner bro. He's a Warner bra. Warner bra. Right, right. He's rolling with the bros. Right. And uh, it, everyone's like- When you think like, bro, you think Tim Burton. Like, oh, yeah. such a bro. He's a Warner bro. Yeah. Yeah. God. Um, everyone is like, this black and white idea is death. Making a movie about a bad movie is a bad idea. Sure. 
And Johnny Depp is like, like Edward Scissorhands is his only big box office success at that point as a leading man. Well, I mean, I would look at his filmography, but I'm afraid Hodgman's going to roast me. No, I want, no I I'm don't, kidding. I'm not roasting. Come on, No, David. I'm kidding. Uh, oh uh, Gilbert, well, after Edward Scissorhands, he'd only made two movies. So Gilbert what, Grape, which was not, did, not did a all big right, hit. I guess. Yeah. He made 10 million. Right. Like, oh, whatever. really? Jeez. Yeah. And Benny and June, okay. uh, which, you know, didn't like the world on fire, yeah. but uh, made a little money too. I mean, he's a guy at it's, that point in time. It solidified his silent comedy. Right. <laughs> right. His silent comedy impersonation chops. Um, but after he, I mean, he's still only a few years removed from like 21 Jump Street. Like right. he is still, I suppose. This is when like he's starting to become like the thinking idol. man's heartthrob. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, but he's weird. He likes like Buster Keaton and shit. He does. Like he's very yeah. handsome, but he doesn't want to do that cookie cutter shit. You know? Yeah. That was, I feel like that rep, speaking as someone who is a full blown adult when this movie came out that it, rep was locked in everyone was buying it like, we, like every, we were discerning we get Johnny Depp yeah the public doesn't yeah you know and they were like Johnny Depp's a leading man but he's not big enough to like validate your vision of making a 20 million dollar black and white film about a bad director right. and a bad director that really not everyone had heard of in no. the way that they had I mean no, it's in, the in pre- large part because of this movie. Right. A lot of people have heard. Well, also yes, of it, but yes. it was still Science Theater three thousand. Where is that? That is not there yet. That doesn't right? exist yet. Because that's the thing. Is like I feel like once that's kicked yeah. up, then then you have this. They sort start of, to show all of movies. that. Yeah, but it became. I I just I discovered a, a distressing thing. Uh huh. Which was that. According to the Wikipedia, see, I use the internet too, but I'm, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not, not incredible. Interesting. I'm not the only one. Of no, I'm not thing. a supermind. Just a guy with the internet, like anybody I think else. He was a bit of a supermind. That's all the internet. But according to Wikipedia, Plan Nine from Outer Space mm-hmm. started getting a cult following when it was named as the worst movie of all time yes. in this book called The Golden Turkeys or some right, some such right, by right, the right. Medved brothers. Including oh, crazy! Michael Medved obviously was. A film reviewer before he he became what he is now, which is a right wing yes radio talk show host and kind of a monster. But I think that book was kind of the yeah, right. beginning of like that was in nineteen eighty. Yes, yeah, the golden a Turkey bad Awards. art culture. Like yeah. it was the beginning of like the nineties, especially with mystery science theater and books like that that were starting to get written. Of like, actually, sometimes these shitty movies are like fun, right? And people obsessing over and, the, and bad was like works. The, that was the era. The eighties were the era of like the psychotronic film guide. Mm-hmm. And research magazine that would cover all these weird. This is the era of my friend Nick McCarthy bringing us all over to his house to stay up all night to watch bad movies on VHS. Right. Sure. And then in the nineties, you know, this movie comes out, and then the Mystery Science Theater MST three K comes out and starts codifying this subculture and bringing it out in, into a larger. The audience idea of cult things starts to become mainstream. But in 1994, that it's was still not cult. It's, it's like literally, cult. it's like yeah. an inside whisper. Like right. certainly, no studio of, is going to be fired up about the idea that you're going to do a Plan Nine from Outer Space movie. No, most of them wouldn't even know what it was. Right. No, you know? yeah, yeah, right. Um, so Warner Brothers like uh, puts the film in turnaround. Griffin, you're wrong. It's not Warner Brothers. Was it Sony? It's Columbia. Fuck, it was mm-hmm. Columbia. Uh, because I think Warner Brothers turned it down, maybe. Maybe, but it's because Alexander and Karaszewski, who had written Problem Child. Right. And that, Problem Child 2, I believe. I think you're right. Yeah, and I think they thought that was like an albatross around their neck. Right, they were like, really we got to get out of this. Why yes. would they feel that way? Two modern classics. Yes, right. Well, because the script the, was so good that it, it put them in a washing machine. Like the script <laughs> itself. I have not seen either of the Problem Children. Neither have I. The video box is John Ritter in a washing machine. Hey, how come the sequel to Problem Child wasn't Problem Children? 
Where they weren't thinking about it. It also that wasn't yet. Problem Child, comma, two. Which I'm sure literally right. the sequel, I think the sequel literally is about a second Problem I think it Child. Is. Like it's now there's a girl too. You know, right. there used to be just. Yeah, no, it should be called Problem Child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, problem Kids. But we're, but we're applying yeah. our our branding savvy here in the year 2018 uh, backwards sure, in sure. time. Hindsight's 2020. Because we look yeah. back and we say, of course, a meta film about Ed Wood, that's hilarious. Right, right. But the 90s barely existed at the time when meta meta didn't exist in that Also, in that if you were caught up in the hurricane of like problem child fever, you could barely think clearly. Oh I mean, the, right. the, the, the tagline, whirlwind. this PC culture is getting out of hand. It's, classic, that's what I said. it's one of those classic two tagline posters. Uh-huh. So, top of the poster, yeah. this summer, Junior has a brand new friend. Okay. Problem child too. Right? Uh-huh. There's two of them, right? But below, he's bad, she's worse. Two taglines is does not bode well. Ever. Especially no. when both of them are half a tagline, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, they coun't really settle. They were like, well. So, that was the premise was they had he's a girl. The, yeah. They probably put them both he's on the there. Washing they added a girl and, and they put Ritter in the washing machine. And they probably put That's both good. taglines in so that some mid-level you know, executive wouldn't get mm-hmm. mad. Right. Yes. Right, right. Right. And it was like, he's bad. She's worse was Bob's idea. And he, he's really going to not like it if we don't put that in there somewhere. Yeah. Right. I think that was the idea though, was like they had written this thing that then became really successful, but was sort of seen as like a piece of shit and a joke. Right. So they, they were like, they have this script they believe in. Right. Because the I'm Wood sure they're getting like script. a thousand offers right. to make shitty family comedies. And right. they're like, this isn't really what we want to get stuck doing. So they set this script up with Burton to produce, mm-hmm. with Michael Lehman to direct. Michael Lehman to direct. Yeah. Which is weird. And Michael Lehman had to go make Airheads. That's that's why he couldn't do it. He was Well, he you know, I'm airheads. sure it made sense to him at the time. I you mean, also, Airheads you, is all right. Have you ever worked with Lehman? I have not. Have you? He yeah. does a lot of TV. Ter- terrific right? guy. Yes. Really? Yeah, I worked with him on Board to Death a couple of times. I think of him as them, uh, Truth About Cats and Dogs. I have seen that movie yeah. at least twice. He's really smart, really he funny. He will talk to you about Hudson Hawk all day long. Right, he really? made Hudson Hawk. Yeah, which is an incredibly, I mean, that that is not a great, that's not a successful <laughs> film. Sure. No. But it's no. financially, but and it's artistically, I think even Michael Lehman, if you're listening, I think he would, he would acknowledge that it did not work the way it was supposed to, but it had a sense of humor that was a little bit mind-breaking. Right. But it, it, was, then, meta, it was meta at a time when meta wasn't, in part of the the the, the vocabulary, right? Yeah. But now I understand why he was like, maybe I should just go make Airheads. Like maybe after Hudson Hawk flop, he's like, maybe I shouldn't make the weird homage to the bad director. That's a good movie. Like right. maybe I should just make the the idiots, you know, hold up a radio store. Well, and I think that was show. probably an idea of like you make a down the middle comedy. Right. Like it's a yeah. bad film. It's a bad director, and you make a comedy about a guy who's inept. And Tim Burton latches onto this idea of making the movie like the most considerate positive biopic ever yes. made. Yes, I right. mean that. And if that if that's, I mean, again, why uh, you feel that he is bringing that? To that's this the thing movie. with this movie is tone management is like the name of the game. He's walking such a fine line where you think about most biopics, especially like of artists, right? And it's like either like. Here's an inspiring story of sure. someone who like broke through a glass Which ceiling usually or sucks. Like, changed history and they like deify them too much, right? right. They right. stop being human. Or, or it's the like, here's an artist you love and here are their demons. Sure. Here's the right. shit you it didn't know. Sucks. Right. Right. And this is a story about a man who thinks he's in a biopic about how he changed Hollywood. Right. Yeah. And and he gives him the movie the guy thinks he's in. Yes. And yes. And right. The the exploration of his character or the or the reveal of his character mm-hmm. as a as a Fundamentally decent, yes. Um, uh, eccentric, 
self-deluded, but not completely self-deluded. There are times when he's like, I don't think I got it. Right. And Sarah yes. Jessica Parker has to talk him, <laughs> talk him into talk it. Him into it. But that's, like, yes. that's, that's so beautiful. And I have to say that there are a couple of times in this movie where you see a glimpse of what it might've been otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like there are moments, particularly in the montage when he's shooting plan nine from outer space. And everything's going wrong. Right. right. And, and he loves it the, all. And the movie is just going, and the movie is basically saying, look at these terrible sets, right? This is terrible, right? Right. The yeah. guy's scratching good. his head with the gun. Right. right. Yeah. And those are the, just a few moments where you have to show them, obviously. Right. It's part the movie's of the, kind of earned it at that point yeah. where right. you can right. have a couple laughs. But it could have easily been process. all of that this whole time. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think, you know, Burton talks a lot about how he was sort of just this, like, this movie omnivore growing up. Like, he is a byproduct of the first generation to have, like, television and movies playing constantly and especially these like shitty B movies that were just sold in the packages and he just ate everything up mm-hmm. and I think was just intoxicated by movies. Right. Like he right. loves the idea of the range of what a movie can represent. I'm in pictures. Right. And mm-hmm. he's like applying that to this guy who like Burgess often said like I'm surprised that any of my movies work. I think I don't so know. So am to, I. Right. He's like, I don't know how to on judge paper, a good script. Right, like right, on paper right. these things feel like they're too like specific to connect with people at large. And I think he feels like I'm a lucky version of Ed Wood. Like, yeah. I'm an Ed Wood yes. that somehow is connecting with people. Yes. Right. But my yeah. motivations are no different than what he's doing. I have my little family of weirdos. I like working with the same people. Sure. Yeah, sure. I'm following my own bliss. And it's and it's a, vi- it's a vision that a lot of people would say, no, I don't think this is a good idea. My movies are very much fetish objects. They're right. my own psychology spilled out right. on screen. And then you, know? you just need Vincent D'Onofrio with Maurice LaMarche's voice to tell you, Follow your vision, and right. he did it. Right, and he's like there, but for like the grace of God, I re- go I. Like, I remember, right. I remember sitting in my kitchen in Brookline, Massachusetts, with my print edition of the Boston Globe, and I read the casting for the Batman movie that was going to come oh, out. Sure, and it was Michael Keaton. Yeah, and I, I remember setting the paper down and saying to the air, "It can't be done." Right. Even just, this is too work. weird. And, right, you're, and right. you're a fan of Pee Wee's Big Adventure at that point. You go, this is a train wreck. I, I was, yeah. a, I was a, a, a huge fan of Beetlejuice right. and Michael Keaton. And I was like, this is not, he's not Batman. I right. mean, everyone felt the same way. Right. Yeah. Until, and until about halfway through the movie, I would say. Like, and then I became convinced. But. Right. And then he's like, cool. It takes place in like a weird retro futuristic version right. of the <laughs> 1930s. It looks like a German expressionist horror movie. Right. Right. I'm doing an homage to both that. And the 60s Adam West Batman, but it's neither. Right. It's also serious. Right. They're making me use it. It's also very funny. Songs, right. Which like should totally <laughs> bump up against all his shit. Right. But no one could have been more pre-sold for any version of Tim Burton's Batman. Then right. you were all and, and even, even I like, had skepticism oh, right. and took some winning over. And so it is incredible that these movies connected. And then but when you heard about right. a guy with scissor hands, you were like Guys should have regular hands. Scissor, he can't pick a damn thing up. Yeah, that seems to me to be too much of a problem. Right, too many That's You want fingers, yeah. not scissors. I mean, look, even if the guy is is lacking hands and needs prosthetics, scissors is the, the worst choice. Yes. Do you know what I mean? You'd be better off with chopstick hands. Oh, much but, better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, or, I, or Luke Skywalker hands. I mean, if he can get a- What, a r- rubbit hand? A rubbit hand. Right. Right. He's only got one rubbit hand. Um, I do feel like, uh, you know, his thing he said at the time when people were like, how did you know that Michael Keaton could play Batman? Especially looking at the work he had done up until that point. Right. How from collaborating with him on Beale, just you see he was right for that part. And he said, I just I saw it was all in his eyes. And I knew that character was so much about because of the costume, the eyes. And I saw he had that in him. Yeah. And in retrospect, you're like, God, look how smart he looks that right. he called that. 
But on its face, that doesn't sound any different than Ed Wood, like, seeing the chiropractor and being like, you have the same eyes as Bela Lugosi. That is also why it's fascinating that Tim Burton tried to make a Superman movie with Nicolas Cage. Right. Which also, on the face of it, seems ludicrous. And then, of course, we never saw it. So in our heads, it will always just be ludicrous. Well, here's the thing. Was going to play Brainiac and Chris Rock was going to play Hulk Hogan was going to play Brainiac. That movie was Chris Rock was going to play Jimmy Olsen. Like it was going to be insane, and it was just like, I guess if they let me make this, I'll like follow my like bliss on this. Right. Right. And to be fair, if it happened, it would have been ludicrous. That right. didn't necessarily mean it wouldn't. No, that's work. the thing. It's no. a, that's the thing. It, at but so some many point, of his movies are starts... kind of ludicrous. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm. And and yet they work. And like yet Edward? they work. Yeah. Lovely Edward. Anyway, no, it was a Columbia movie. Okay. He wants to shoot it in black and white. Because they had it set up through Lehman and... and yeah, uh, it was a, right. like Columbia had a first look. Problem child was Columbia. Um, and that's, that's sure, possibly. Um, and uh, So Burton's putting his name to Burton it to give I'll it I'll direct to because right. Michael Lehman's going off to do Airhead, so... But it's got to be black and white. This only makes sense as black and white. It is hard to imagine this film yeah. in color. Wouldn't work. Um, and they're like, no, 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 no. Like, absolutely not. Then there's a bidding war. Because he's still so hot at this Exactly. Point. Right, Everyone yeah. wants it. Yeah. Uh, but Disney takes it. And they say, here's $18 million. We figure you'll do fine. We won't bother you again. Right. Disney like, still has Touchstone at this point. Right. They weren't like, Touchstone's well, I'll change high. you. They right. were just like, you're Tim Burton. I'm sure you'll be fine. Here's your money. Like, go make your movie. I like, think th- this is 95, right? This is 94. So is this the same? No. Night Before Christmas comes out the year before. Yeah. But they're deep in that. Disney's clearly trying to like get back in I the mean, Burton business. the movie business. is made He's in talking about 93. That, the Henry Selleck film, A Nightmare Before Christmas. That's right. Yes. The yeah. uh, film, Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas, directed by Henry Selleck. Right. Um, I, I think they want him back in their fold. I mean, they eventually get him back, you know? But I think for them, it's also an investment of like, let's do Tim Burton a favor so maybe he'll want to like come here and do some more big family movies for Disney. Mm-hmm. I feel like they must have viewed it as something of a write-off. And maybe it works and maybe it sure, doesn't. But right. maybe you get his next movie. Who yeah. made Mars Attacks? Warner Brothers. He goes all back right. to Warner Brothers. Oh. And then after that, he starts to become really a free agent. Then he's like flipping all around the place. Right. Uh, Sleepy Hollow is is who? Is That's Paramount. Paramount. Okay. Planet of the Apes is Fox. Right. Like then it becomes about who owns the property because right. it becomes right. him remaking properties. Right. Warner's has Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right. Um, Alice is Disney, right? Alice is Disney. He's a franchise flipper. Exactly. Really he goes is. in and and redoes the house and flips it. Right, and like, it is partly the Batman thing. It's like, well, we gave you a franchise way back right, when, and you right. did something magic with it. So yeah, what do you you want to take a swing at X like Dark Shadows? Yeah. You just reminded me that Tim Burton directed a movie that starred Mark Wahlberg. Correct. Yes. That's weird. It's one of the weirdest things. It I, is a weird movie. That is a. That's a. It's a, I, I saw that in the theater. Sure. Also at the church. I was truly excited for that movie. Were like you? Because oh. the I was well. How old? Was I, I've maybe never the been more excited cool. for. A film. I was like fourteen yeah. years old, I guess. Growing up in New York City, hard scrabble kid on the Lower East Side. Yeah, no other frame of reference. Only playing, knows the hard streets of New York playing City. Playing stickball with Jack Kirby. Yeah. Jack, Jack, I'm walking here. Let you me tell you. Hey, there's a car coming. I'm going to see this, uh, this apes movie. You know Sims was a member of the Yancey Street Gang, right? Oh, he was? It was based on Oh, him. my goodness. Yeah, I would, I would like send the thing, one of those letters where it's like, you're a crumb bum. Yeah. And he'd be like, <laughs> oh, it like it's clobbering time again. <laughs> that Yancey Street Gang won't leave me alone. <laughs> We gotta start calling people crumb bums again. You know what I mean? Every yeah. fantastic the only reason like, you won't believe what they did. They called me a crumb bum yeah. again. I never really figured out who those Yancey Streeters were. <laughs> those kids told me to go pack sand. <laughs> <laughs> 
pack sand. I've always heard pound sand. I, I, like love, pack sand. I love pack sand. Like, well, I'm going to get out my uh, my overhead my bag. <laughs> Go down to the beach and pack some Pe- sand. People need bags of this yeah. stuff. I guess I'm the one to do it. Yeah. Uh, Benji, the wizard is on the loose. We have to fight him. Uh, I don't know. Some kid walked old up to me, told me to go suck a lemon. I don't know if I got the mood to fight crime. God, he is he is a, a wildly depressive guy. I mean, it makes the sense. Thing? Yeah, the he's thing. easily triggered. He's made of rocks. He's an easily triggered libtard. Yeah. He on. is. Get out of here. Send a ambulance. He's an NPC. We can't talk about the Fantastic Four because I'll go down a Fantastic Four. And, and I would uh, love to talk about the Fantastic Four with you. Our worst sure. episode we've ever done. Right. Negative zone. The, the worst episode we've ever done on this podcast yeah. was we tried to cover all four Fantastic Four movies in one episode. Very early in the podcast. Well, it's a, that was a high concept. You, yes. you were right. swinging for the fences, much yeah. like Tim Burton's early career. Yes, right. yes. You had not become complacent and starting to you know flip your no, franchise. No, and, we were we were risky. We right. were taking risks. Um, no, I mean that's that's when it starts to become like. You feel like Tim Burton probably wasn't really excited by Mark Wahlberg. And Mark Wahlberg in interviews when they asked him about Planet of the Apes was like, I, I thought like Tim Burton's crazy. I want to be in that movie. I don't really care about Planet of the Apes. I didn't want to be in that fucking thing. But I was like, Tim Burton, he's cool, right? Like neither of them seemed very excited about the movie they right. were working on. Right. They were just the like, extremely expensive, like where people have to put on makeup that probably yeah. takes like eight hours and they're right. just like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Planet of the Apes. It's like a planet full of apes. All those weird Tim Burton regulars is like extra apes in the- Right, like, like Glenn Lisa Shadix Marie is and, yeah, like, right. right, the fat orangutan yeah, right, exactly. stuff. No, I mean, that's that's really the the turning point for me. Sure. Um, that makes sense. But uh, but Ed Wood. Well, we'll talk, talk about We'll, we'll talk about yes, that we'll in talk another about episode with not me, without me. Well, maybe you can come back. Yeah. Well, look, maybe I'll never leave. Yeah, sure. All right, be a third host. Uh, so, so Disney picks it up. They give him eighteen million dollars, yeah. and he makes an American masterpiece. He does. He makes his best movie. I think that's what. Uh, thinking back, like, I guess it did. Uh, You're yeah, so did. Uh, disturbed that it didn't do well. It just, yeah, it just, it just struck me as like, oh you yeah, feel everyone, like within your circles, everyone was obviously like in my on this my movie. coastal elite circles. Sure. Yeah, but I just <laughs> right. felt like. I, I think most people critically say, oh, that's a good movie. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. I but think the battle was just getting people to see it. That was the thing. I, I yeah. did, it, not, it did not occur to me that that was a movie that would have put his rep in Hollywood at risk. Do you know what I mean? As being able to helm either as a write-off for Disney yeah. in order to get him to come do something else mm-hmm. or as something where he might have to course correct. Obviously, Mars Attacks took that, took that yeah. part. For him. And one wonders if that hadn't been there. I don't think it made Hollywood doubt him as much as it maybe made him doubt himself. Right. Because he was such a savant in so many ways, where yeah. it was just like, this stuff's just connecting. Then when it doesn't once, he's like, what am I missing this time? Right. I imagine he's a guy who probably couldn't figure out why certain movies work and certain movies don't. Sure. You know? But his take on this movie is absolutely the perfect take for yes. it. You know, like, whereas maybe, right, he approaches Planet of the Apes, he doesn't have a hot, like a very good concept of what the movie should but like his idea that you were talking about where it's like the movie kind of looks like an Ed Wood movie but yeah. also is sort of sumptuous and beautiful to look at in a weird kind of a way it's, it's meta but I think right. like a lot of Tim Burton stuff that is meta it also is very sincere it, yes and that's uh, the big the idea know? to make it like through Ed Wood rather than about it right you right. know it's right. like it's not like look at this wacko. It's sort of it's like, very sincere you know, kitsch, which is this, this other guy. thing right. that he's really kind of owning at this point, where there's like no ironic distance, which is so right. big at that point in the '90s of yes, just like right. or it's coming, it's coming into fashion. Yes, I would say, right. That. And you know, I, I I've seen the movie. I saw it 
when it came out. Mm-hmm. I probably saw it another time. And then the last time I saw it before watching it again for today was maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. I just I decided to turn it on and show and, and watch it with my son, who at the time was 11, 12. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not sure that you're going like to connect with this mm-hmm. movie. And yeah. You never you don't know what Plan Nine is, sure. right? If you, have you don't have any of this kitsch or sure. whatever, yeah. And there's obviously cross dressing and and other stuff that m- maybe deserves a discussion at some point. But let's just watch it. And he's like, "I love it. That's a great movie." Yeah, it's uh, such a I, winning movie. Well, I realized what it was rewatching it today. It's like it's the Muppet movie. It's yeah. A, it's oh a, sure, because it's like a family. It's a, a family kind of, of right. weirdos, colorful people trying, right, to, right. trying to get into Hollywood. Which you're talking yeah. about my favorite kind of story. Yeah, right. It's right. like the movie where at the end you sort of see everyone together and you're like, oh right, they've all sort of been in this together. Yeah, the, the ragtag whole time. group right. that becomes right. family, right? And, yeah. and fights against the odds. Oh, and so they got Sarah Jessica Parker said, "Oh, it's the same old like drug addicts and misfits." <laughs> right. <laughs> but like, it is yeah. like especially like it's one of those movies where I get choked up when it does the sort of end postscript. Right catch-ups on the characters because you're like what a fucking group he built around them like totally all these, like wacky people who all like they, they were all misfit toys who ended up on the same and island. they had all been drawn pr- to la presumably for the same reason because right. they all loved movies or television sure right. yes i mean and you know bunny breckenridge right. was this actor who <laughs> this is the thing i didn't realize paul marco the actor who played the yes. the, the cop yeah who's played in this movie by Bank, max casella yeah the great Max Casella. Yeah, the great yeah. Max Casella, younger Max Casella. The post, baby face. Yeah. I know. Like, post yeah. big, Newsies. but right, and Newsies, yeah. but yeah. pre, he's in the pre, Sopranos, and he's, he's like, not, hey, fuck you, yeah, you know, yeah. like, which just became his thing. But uh, it, uh, Breckenridge was this financially, uh, you know, like, very wealthy socialite, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, gay drag performer. Yes. Who and he was, and was Marco, like Shakespearean, uh, Shakespearean. Um, he's very right, well trained. Right. He's like yeah. of the Breckenridges, right? Like the famous ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, his great grandfather was a secretary of state or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. And he grew yes. up in Paris. He was, he was married for John unknown C. reasons. Vice yeah. president. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> he got into the circle because he was sharing an apartment with Paul Marco. Yeah. They were like mm. ro- roommates. Right. And like, like this. Just rando people like, yeah, my, my just roommate like is an actor. Live in LA right this now. movie just, like changes the timeline of certain people coming in so that you don't have to introduce everyone separately. No, of but I read that the way that Paul Marco got into show business was that uh, uh, Griswold like predicted he was going to have a big career oh, in Hollywood. I read Griswold. Yeah, I heard Griswold, that too. Sorry. Yeah, Griswold. And, yeah. Come on, get out uh, of here. Clark Griswold Clark predicted. Griswold. <laughs> uh, it's in. It's If you watch Vegas Vacation, it's in that oh, movie. It's in, yeah. um, he just turns to the camera all yes. of a sudden. Right. Uh, no, but Griswold did like say, like, I predict you will become a major movie star. And he's like, I guess I got to be in movies. Right. Um, well, like, here's the thing I, I always thought about was like, uh, Paul Marco's daughter was my like uh, chorus teacher in like middle school. Okay. Holy moly. Okay. And she like told me she was like, you know, my dad, because there's a the whole thing where he sets up the Paul Marco fan club that they say at the end. Yeah, at the end, right. That they like Disney had reached out and were like, Tim Burton doing Ed Wood movie, we'd love your participation. And he was like, I'm so angry at these people, like making fun of Ed Wood, making this cottage industry this thing that was really sincere and was yeah. like really against it because he felt like everyone was asking him to give quotes on these books of like the worst movies of all time. Right, and he was like, right. we were coming from a really pure place. Yeah, we were friends. Right. They, were, they were all friends. And he was like, yes. it was my father's like greatest regret in life that he 
couldn't believe that they would be making a sincere, like, compassionate movie about him. When he saw it, he was so touched that they, like, oh, right. keyed into what was infectious about this guy, yeah. why all these people were drawn to him. Yeah. And it is that Muppet Show thing where you're just like, why does Gonzo think that there's a place for him in the industry? Right. Like, with that routine. Right. But it's like, he literally can't conceive of anything else. And there, the same there thing— There was still a lot of chicken-based vaudeville, though, right, in 1979. Right, to be fair, <laughs> there was a touring opportunities yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. But all these people, like, that he— he gathers around them fit into that sort of like oddball space yeah. where it's like, I got no other options. And you believe there's no moment where you don't believe that they are all happy being there together. Yeah. Like, uh, right. you know, because, uh, you know, what Bella's getting do? in the lake. Right. right. It's like, yeah. but like Vampira, you know, she'll take his calls because she kind of knows he's sort of a like weirdly winning guy, yeah. even though yeah. he's kind of hassling her. He's like, you know, hey, Vampira, like, you know, and, yeah, because he's not, he's, I don't know, there's something about him, right? Like, that's yeah. the movie. The movie's not, what I hate about the biopics, which is what you were saying, mm-hmm. is if it's about some genius, there has to be the moment where the genius has the moment of genius and then he, you know, decides sure. to, Van Gogh decides to paint the sunflowers or whatever. Right. And it's very hard to represent that in a film. Yes. Like, yes. to represent no, creativity. Not, Light bulb over the head. Right. <laughs> Done. Shit. You're right. Fuck. What the hell? And instead class, of classic, yeah, obviously this movie you is. Don't, not you gonna, don't see that on your computer? This guy's never seen Tune before. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You were saying um, this movie doesn't do any of the bullshit where it's like I don't know. Ed Wood sees like a hubcap and he's like, "That looks like a flying saw." Right, you know, yeah. it doesn't do any of that stupid short. It just it's all about his personality. Like everything that's the core of the movie, and so everything that follows from it just makes a weird sort of sense, even though it shouldn't make any sense and at all. And he's also a survivor. Like, it's all, yes, like, instinct right. because people keep on throwing these, like, curveballs in the way, and he just adjusts. And it's right. like, I just need to make the thing. Right. I, yeah. I believe in myself so thoroughly that compromises be damned, this movie will be a winner once it's finished. But also, he believes in the in the weirdos that he that's surrounds himself right. with. And that whole thing where they're up all night, and and Lugosi gets into the water with the fake octopus. Yeah. Yes. And Marcos lost the octopus motor, one of the great two words put together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they make sure to say it like four times because yes. it's such a good phrase. And they're and they and they and they've been shooting all night and then they get back to the soundstage and they have to keep shooting. Yeah. And he gives each of them this little pep talk that is totally sincere. And like you you if you were around him, you would do that too. I would right. be in that movie. Right. And these are you know people what I mean? who How could are, you say no to him? Yes. Yeah. These are all people who are all in show business for the right reasons because yeah. it's clear to all of them that they're never going to make it like real big. Right. You know, everyone below Ed who believes that he is going to have the breakthrough is like, I've sort of found my like middling spot. Yeah, exactly. Chriswell is doing right. weird uh, 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 predictions. But they right. love doing the work. They right. don't know how to do anything else. And they love the infectious spirit of other people who are as trapped as they are. What's the line where, they, and I don't know how how historical this is, but he mm-hmm. gets the money from this Baptist church to make I, I believe Plan that's Nine. Yeah, and they have, it's like, and he says to Paul Marco, "Keep your Sunday open." The Baptist, <laughs> yes, we're getting right. baptized. We're getting baptized. And I can't remember whether it was Criswell or someone else says to him, "Like, how do you get it's, all of it's your funny, friends?" It's funny, Bunny Breckenridge. Right? Bunny he's like, like, he's like, like, how? Yeah, I don't know they're how you all do like it, standing Eddie. in the yeah. pool, right? Right. And it's, it's, it's right so after Murray's almost drowned, and he just says, "Like, I don't know how you do it." And get all your friends to get baptized. Murray does nail that right, where it's like, "Do you renounce Satan and all?" Sure. He's, that 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 had to have been a Murray like it's, it's oh, so yeah. he's so, so good him. in this. I mean, this was like where was Bill Murray at this time? Ben and I were talking about that because he's, he's kind of in the middle. He's in the yeah. like he's about to enter his kind of family zone. I feel like, like right? larger like, than life. His like yeah. Am, Let's, I mean, Groundhog Murray. Day is just the year before. Wow, so I okay. guess all right. I mean that that was obviously that's a wonderful movie. 
but then the, his his next movies are Kingpin, Larger Than Life, Space Jam, The Man Who Knew Too Little, Wild Things. Like, yeah, what's weird you know. is that like this period, he's like really good when he's taking supporting roles, and his vehicles aren't as good. Right. Yeah. You know, man, his his monologue after they've rapped on Bride of the Monster, Mexico was a nightmare. Oh my, that is so beautifully played. Well, and that's. Like an example, you look at this movie like from 1994. Yeah. And We've established that, right? Check the computer, David. David, 1994? can you look up on the computer? Is that what year this movie was Edward released? Edward was 1994. Yes, right. the year of our Lord. Maybe you want to check the computer though because it's there. You might as well use it, right? Septi, September, Septi. Oh, it was at the New York Film Festival. Septi, Septi really? 23, 1994. Uh, Septi I, I just think, I'm sure this is a thing that uh, all of you gentlemen have uh, found as well. But you watch uh, almost any studio comedy from the years 1981 to 2004, and the level of just like casual homophobia right. and transphobia is right. just like off the charts. Like very few make it through without one thing where you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Sure, yeah, sure, like, sure. Right. And like here's like a movie that's actually dealing with like at this time, like pretty marginalized sexual orientations and fetishes and things like that. In the that. time of the movie and Weirdly in 1994 still. still. Right. And most comedies you think would really make a joke out of like, and the weirdest thing of all is he wears their clothing. Right, right. You know, like that would be the coup de grace, like set piece thing. And the movie, like it walks once again, it's this fine line, but it's like, it doesn't take it so seriously where it then feels like condescending to be like, you don't understand his struggle. Right. But it, it has a lightness of touch. It allows them to be fully rounded people and human. But it, there's, like, no shaming to any of their styles. No. I mean, it's and why it I love that Patricia Arquette so he's, much. Right. How comforting it was for him. Like, yeah. you know, and you understand any time he's dressing, like, up, especially in public, like, that he's relaxed. He's trying to de-stress. Like, yeah. it never feels like just a visual punchline. Like, oh, look, there he is again, right? Like, no, and, right. The, and the moment where he... It's the same rap party. Yeah. In the in the Oh yeah, where he does in the, the dance. meat locker. Right. Yes. That, uh, that's owned by the cowboy who gave the money to make the movie. Rance Howard. Yeah. Right. Ron Howard's father. Oh, is that who that is? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was wow. really good. He was yeah. really great. Really great. Yeah. So that a, dance, so he comes in. He's a in. good boy. He's a little slow. But he's a good boy. <laughs> I think he can make one hell of a leading man. <laughs> I want Sorry, there to ahead. be a big, big explosion at the end. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> But he's, you know, that that's sort of like, I mean, I, Johnny Depp's thing he always said was like his two inspirations for this performance were Howdy Doody and Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> it was just that sort of like bobble-headed like right. enthusiasm. Like, we'll make that work. Yeah. yeah. He's all teeth. He's all smiles. Yeah. But except when he doesn't have teeth because right. he takes his teeth out. Yes. He does. To, to, to become, to have a little, some right. Dracula in him. And when he does the dance and, and he's in his Angora mm-hmm. and he's wearing a veil and he takes the veil off at the end of the dance and he's doesn't have his teeth yeah. in it is a arresting image oh, it's one of the most i mean am, am, amazing images i've seen in movies and, and like you know then sarah jessica parker freaks out and right. says like don't right. see you all but it is not that, it is not that moment it's like look at this freak wearing women's no. clothes and in fact it's, it's like, like this this guy has layers upon layers in him that we are just seeing a little bit of but those are also the only moments in the movie where i think the film passes judgment on characters is when there is a character who passes judgment on right. the oddballs. Right. You know, because yeah. it's like they're just living their life. Yes. You know? Uh, it, it. I mean, there's something so uh, sweet about it that, like, everyone just on Facebook— Like, 
there's a moment, you know, you barely see uh, uh, Tor Johnson and, and Bunny Breckenridge like corresponding. And then Tor comes up to him at the party and says, like, What does he say? Like, yeah, Mr. Bunny, what happened to your operation? And she's like, Is he the one who prompts that mom? Yeah, yeah he's the and one who's standing next to him. He's like, Mexico was a nightmare. Yeah. Right, yeah. But you just go, like, everyone, when they get into this, like, weird family, goes, like, What's your deal? Cool. Got it. Cool. Got it. Like, they're all so disparate, but they're all just, like, fine with each other. And they don't judge each other at all. And just in terms of, in terms of writing and filmmaking, yeah. that exchange is eminently cuttable. Yes. Like if you got to get a couple right, minutes out of this movie, it has no bearing on the. It doesn't move anything, anything forward. Else, right. If anything, it provides a glimpse into this character who is really not a main, obviously not right, a main a character. character. Right. No, who's you know you go like, hey, studio, here's going to help sell your movie. We got Bill Murray who'll have funny one-liners, no, and then here's I'm, a, a, I'm not so cynical that I thought of it in those terms. No, I don't, but, but I'm saying I, this is right, the scene that makes him a tragic figure. Yeah, right. They're no. like, don't put that in there. We want him to just be the funny one-liner guy. Right. Right. It's Bill Murray playing camp, and they're like, no, we're going to make him like a man with like pathos and struggles. And right. like, but it's also the source of one of the funniest lines in the movie, yes. which is when he said, and like, I would have died. If not, if for, not these for these men, right. and he gestures to the mariachi <laughs> band, and that's they're they're his plus one. He brings them with him all the time now because they're the only thing still keeping. And suddenly, him up, there's right. this whole other backstory yeah. movie that I would love to see. At <laughs> he some lost point. his luggage. He lost his boyfriend, but right. he claimed with him a mariachi band who now will not leave it's his so side. F- and I don't know whether that was scripted or whether that was a. But it feels right. Like that's the feels, thing. Like, that's what right. it, that's yeah. what it does for this movie. It makes yeah. the world feel real deep meaningful you see that connection which i had forgotten about between tor yes. and bunny right that makes that, that reveals like this is what's happening in the background movie. they're yes. all they're all hanging out together they're all friends they have camaraderie camaraderie set camaraderie right like you and i shared on the tick season two mm. camaraderie sure we're both engaged in a in a i'm just i'm not I'm sorry if you didn't feel it. I definitely felt no, no, no. I mean, it, uh, the, esprit de corps. The soundstage where we filmed was often negative uh, 15 degrees. Sure. So you and I would usually huddle together for warmth. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. right. You had to be together simply because the human right. body right. Like, yeah. generates more I mean, so, warmth. So much of, so much of the uh, said camaraderie is bonding through trauma. Right. Sure. That's, yeah. yeah. So we got very close. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just pointing out the very... Yeah, we we saw we saw a lot of shit together. Right, that David didn't see because I just met you at a wedding. That's true, but yeah. we saw a lot of shit at that wedding. That's true. Lot, Some good meals. Went down. Right, <laughs> like working on a show. <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to play this up. Never That's mind. Funny. Ben edited this out. <laughs> working on a show like it. The Tick, The Tick season for, two. For how difficult it is, it's a hard show to make. Yeah, uh, it, it does have that feeling sometimes, like the Ed Wood thing, where you look around and you're like, "What the fuck are we doing?" Yeah, not in a dismissive way, but you're it's like, like what? "How is this happening?" There are like PAs getting on their walkie-talkies, like hurriedly yelling that someone needs to come and touch up a nipple. Right. You know, because they're like prosthetic nipples and we have like puppets and like robots and suits sure. malfunctioning. Spoilers, my, and, like, my character has 20 nipples. Is that true? No. <laughs> it's the tick. It could be true. <laughs> but there are things my like. My character's name Nipslip. <laughs> there it's are not things bad. It's like not that. Bad. No, no, it's not at all. Yes. There are things like that on set where it's like PAs very seriously saying like, is the nipple flying in? What's the ETA on the nipple? It's taking the most ridiculous stuff seriously. Right. Which is what this movie is about. And all of us. And what this like, movie is. I, I hope this works. Right. Yeah, right like, yeah. I think this is funny. Like, right. we're all just like. In it together in like I mean like uh, sub zero weather. That's right. That's it. Peter's costume. And then you and Peter hired so that mariachi band. To we hired a mariachi band to carry us. Peter's costume was very warm, right? That's it's very why warm, it was cold. so they had yeah. to drip. Like he would still be sweating in the costume, and the rest of us were all like hyperventilating. 
It sounds like a great way to do things. It's just, right? just like, it's like no one's happy. One is hot. Everyone else is cold. I was happy. But yeah. it's the thing. Like you just. You're happy because you're in the company of Mr. Newman. I was in, I was in good company mm-hmm. and uh, I did not have to wear one of those costumes. Right. No, you right. you got to wear a normal person clothing. Right. And I you don't had wanna... the least intense costume of anyone on the show. Yeah. And not only was it n- non uh, non uh, styrofoam or whatever mm-hmm. you have going on there. A lot of different things. Not not yeah. <laughs> not not only was it non confining. You're wearing very, zero circuitry. It was very forgiving. Soft clothes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was soft clothes. Soft Basically clothes. soft clothes. Soft clothes. Yeah. 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 All right, so Edward, yeah, he uh, he's director. He lives in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, this movie is pretty much about uh, the production. I'm of trying to remember three the plot. What are your yes. favorite things about the movie, David? What you're putting me on the spot? Well, that's fine. You look got, it up. Look it up, up on your computer. computer. <laughs> My favorite things about the well, one thing I wanted to talk about that I occurred to me as you were ta- is one thing I like about his love of Lugosi mm. over Karloff, right? Yeah. So the, Obviously, Boris Karloff is is a legend. I I, I do not have Bela Lugosi's he's not a legend. He was a real person. Yeah, he, was a, he was a real actor. He, who he lived. did exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he was a, a legend. No, no, Mr. No. Williams. Um, no, but you know, obviously, Karloff was more about the makeup as well. You know, the, the, sure. The, that early scene when Ed is watching Lugosi do the the hands, and Ed is sort of mimicking him on the um. Yeah, he's doing those classic creepy summoning Dracula hands. Uh, Is like that that idea of the pure charisma of Lugosi as a performer and like the physicality, Mm -hmm. like mattering so much more than anything else, which is so crucial to Ed Wood because he has nothing to work with. He has to steal or scrimp, like, you know, anything he's even using as a set or a prop. Um, I love that. I, I love, I just love Lugosi. And he says it in the movie, but uh, Bela Lugosi was the first choice for Frankenstein. And he yes, was like, he was. this is not a part befitting a real actor. Right. This is like right. a stuntman part. It's He's just, got right. no Special dialogue. effects. Right, exactly. I'm just groaning what, you know, Dracula, Dracula right. is about. But know, that movie was charisma. so huge. And Karloff, who was like 50 at the time, had been like a struggling actor forever, like overnight became a star. And then that led to him getting to play like, romantic leads and verbal parts. Like it opened up all these other doors for him. For Karloff. Karloff's amazing. I mean, because didn't Lugosi eventually play Frankenstein? Yeah, so the crazy thing is Like he in turns one of down, the late sequels? Dracula, they don't really make the same amount of straightforward sequels as they do with the other monsters. They do like Dracula's daughter and shit like that, right? Right. But Frankenstein immediately becomes like franchisey in the way the Wolfman did. Or Wolfman didn't really, but Invisible Man certainly did. Right. Um, and, uh, so the first Frankenstein movie has Fritz, who's like the Igor equivalent, right? Yeah. Okay. The second one doesn't have a character filling that function. And then the third one, Lugosi had like, it was such a fatal mistake that he had turned down Frankenstein. There weren't Dracula sequels being made. He had sort of lost well, he his needed moment. money. He right. comes back and he plays Igor. So his character is Igor, uh, and it's he's the one who is like the prototype right, of that's, that's um, son of Frankenstein, the hunchbacked right, right, right. sort right, of like assistant right. sort of guy. He's more of a like Romanian gypsy sort of type, right. sure. But it's with the hunch and the and the whatever, and he then becomes sort of the major antagonist of the sequels. Right, he becomes this like weird Machiavellian like sort of right. Uh, he's oh yeah, he's in a King lot Lear, of them. not King Lear, the Richard the Third Richard the sort Third, of figure. Right, yeah. And then the ghost of Frankenstein. Yeah, which wow. that's the next one. Is right. the first one that uh, Karloff is not, not in. Long Cheney Jr. plays him. Uh, yep, correct. Uh, ends with uh, Igor getting his brain implanted into Frankenstein's monster so he has the power of Frankenstein. Why are you saying Igor? It's is Igor. It Igor, isn't it? Because his character's name is Y-G-O-R. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, because then in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, 
Bella is now Frankenstein. Right. right. So they were like, he really okay, wants so to play why, Frankenstein. Why Gore's brain transforms right. into the face. monster. Correct. So that's enough excuse to so just like, sure, he can. Right, yeah. right. So now, wait a minute. Now the monster, Frankenstein's monster, has got Wygor's brain in his Which means head. he now looks like Wygor. No, that doesn't make any sense. Well, here's the crazier thing I'm about to tell you guys. Okay. okay. Can't wait. So his character gets blinded, which is also why he wants himself put into Frankenstein's right. monster's body. He wants to see through, that, through, that, through those old decomposing he's got power, eyes. Right. He's got clear eyes again, what have you, right? But the logic chain that they follow is, oh, no, but he's blind in his brain. So when you put him in a new body, even if it has correct eyes, oh. he won't see. Now, why Gorstein is blind, too? So they shoot the whole movie where now Frankenstein's monster can talk. He right. sounds like Bella Lugosi. He is. And he's blind. Oh. So he spends the whole movie with his arms out in front of him, <laughs> feeling around, like groping out to make sure he doesn't walk uh. into shit, talking like Bella Lugosi. And they screen it, they test screen it, and the audiences think it's fucking ridiculous. Right. They're like, why does, I don't want to hear Frankenstein talking, certainly not in that accent. Right. He has way too much dialogue. So they cut out almost all of his dialogue. He's in the movie for like less than 10 minutes. And that is why, without context, because they don't explain it, all kids' impressions of Frankenstein's monster Are is the, the arms ooh. out. Right, right, right. Because right, that's right. this weird vestige of he's feeling around to make sure he doesn't walk into a wall. This was Ghost of Frankenstein? This is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, right? Yes, that okay. is the one in which he is the monster. It's mostly yes. a Wolfman movie. And right. that's Lon sort of Chaney like- Jr. Right. is the top liner there. Right. And that's sort of the end of his like, legitimate- And what year would that have been? That is 1943. Would you ask the internet? 1943. Yeah, that's like end of the line for him in terms of like the serious Universal Monster movies. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to find like a list of his because he made I mean it's right you know you look up any of those old actors and it's like their filmography is is a freaking right. you know it's it'll a be, scroll he becomes like a guy long. where it's like I'll do like one something scene you have to deal with a lot because of your reliance on the internet yeah, it's right. hard to parse some exactly. of us are right. working off yeah, the yeah, dome exactly. he I'll do like also, one scene in Ninochka he, he played makes Dracula and Woman. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein right it doesn't even get like good billing no he's no not at all he also was in a movie called Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla of course is probably right. my single favorite movie title of all time. It's a good I, movie title. Uh, and I it's got like two guys who are being like... They were Dean, uh, Dean, Dean and Martin Jerry, and right. Jerry Lewis knockoff. Right, right. but they're not. Right, yeah. Right. They're just sort of... You're supposed to get the idea. Right. Uh, have you guys seen Dracula? Like yeah. The, the Ridge? The Ridge. Yeah, Dracula like The Lugosi Dracula. It does. Yeah. It's I a don't really know good... I have seen it. It's a good movie. It's a really good bad boyfriend movie, which is mostly what it's about, is mm -hmm. like... You know, my daughter is like acting all weird. And then at night, like he just shows up at the window and he's like, I am Dracula. And it has no music. Yes. Because it was made so early in the sound days that they couldn't have dialogue and music at the same time. It's Todd Browning. Todd Browning. Correct. Yeah. And so if and he made Freaks after. And right? then that killed right, his right. career. Right. Freaks, right. Freaks is his blank check. Yes. Right. Um, and so when you watch it, you can watch it these days. There are like, I think like. Philip Glass wrote a score yeah. for it that like an orchestra there can are, perform or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's fun to watch it with no I'm not music. Gonna, I'm not going to watch it unless it's Danny Elfman music. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could probably rope him in. Um, but, but it's that, weird yes. to watch it with no score because there's, the there's weird no movie that's like sound this. of just like the castle. Just the sort of hum. Right. Yeah, yeah. And like where like someone's walking up the stairs and Dracula's like creeping up behind him and you expect the like, mm, and instead it's just silence. That's, and the Dracula just yeah, grabs yeah. him. That's, That's very, very scary. scary. It's very weird. And then the other crazy thing is they were like, we should make one for Spanish-speaking audiences right. too. So at night when they rapped, oh, they would yeah. use the same sets and Shot costumes for shot, stuff, the right. same movie with Spanish actors. Wow. Speaking Have in you Spanish. ever seen that one? Yes. A lot I've of people think that. that one's better. 
Really? But Lugosi is so good. They're very similar. They, they, but the lighting's a little more interesting. It gets was, a little uh, more stylized. Who was uh, uh, Dracula in the I, I don't know the guy's name. Oh, wait a second. Oh. I've got a computer in front of me. Oh, I bet I can why? look this up. I will say this. The lead, the female lead of the Spanish Dracula is uh, past and hopefully future guest uh, Chris White's uh, grandmother. Uh, L- L- Lupita Tovar, is that her yes. name? Yes. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Vilar. Is Dracula. Sounds oh, good. What, and what and what else did he do? Doesn't look like he had a long career. Uh, He's only got a few. He movies. did. Uh, Carlos Villar meets a, a Spanish gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> a Spanish Harlem gorilla. Yes. You got to stick to the New York. <laughs> All right. I never saw. I never saw that original Dracula. It's worth seeing if They're it's really. ever like at a. But know, he was a rep. he was a, a, a seducer. Right. That's right. very thing. much a romantic, scary romantic. Right. That's why thing. I didn't want to play. That was his a big monster. Downfall. He wasn't was a monster. He was like, I'm no, a real he, actor. He saw himself I'm as a romantic a, lead. I'm sexy. Yeah. I'm verbal. Yeah. Right. The problem was he has this very thick accent. And in the so studios, <laughs> if, you, if you really train your ear, you can pick it up. Oh. And studios are like, this guy can't like play yeah. anything but Dracula. I know. I mean, yeah. the, idea that, the idea that this guy, never mind the accent, I mean, Physically, he kind of looks like a monkfish, right? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And yet, I, I understand that he was a a, a leading man in right. European cinema, and and, and, yeah. and on the stage, right? He would do all his uh, his traveling Dracula stage, traveling show. drag, right. right? Which is such a weird thing to think about. Where it's like that's what happened to most actors is like their autumn years would be like reprising their most famous sure. role in right. local theater. Like Jimmy Stewart did, oh. like Harvey for like fifteen years. Yeah, because there wasn't VHS. People, that's right. how people, people would see the. Yeah, right. That's a, Laura, the, that Laurel and Hardy movie that at this point has right. already come out and yes. been forgotten is about their last tour right. together where they're doing the same old bits. like Or they might be adapting them to a radio play. Like right. There were right. so right. many radio plays that were made based on Alfred yeah. Hitchcock movies. You just, you'd you just, have your shtick and you'd right. put it in like wherever you could. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that, that, that was the Lugosi thing was sort of like the, the vanity of like, you know, I, I will not... Uh, uh, succumb to being a lowly uh, monster. Well, which figure. is also like the most, that's the most terrifying horror story in Hollywood, right? right. That's where you're like, here's where I take my stand. Right. And it's the most, the the, the worst decision. You right. Hollywood where like, where you have a fine. vision you of yourself right that the rest right. of the world doesn't right. have. Karloff they, like had like no career beforehand, does Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein and like blows up. Right. And then his next universal monster is the mummy. And the mummy, he only looks like a mummy for like, Five fucking minutes. He rises from the tomb and then very quickly becomes a very suave romantic lead. And it's the kind of part that Lugosi wanted to play. And right. Karloff right. like took the monster role and then became the kind of actor that Lugosi wanted to be for the next several decades. What was it that Bunny, when they're, they're getting baptized and the chiropractor who's replacing Lugosi, who's now dead, right. yes. as a body double. And there's right. that gag where Edward says, cover the bottom of your face. Yeah. And he's like, it looks uncanny. just like Lugosi. Yeah, it's uncanny. Head. It's like, no, it's canny. It's, <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah. it's pretty, pretty canny. It does not look like him at all. <laughs> and Bunny says, have him say, Karloff is a cocksucker. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if that works. It's such a beautiful, like when, when characters in an ensemble like that, when the characters reveal that they have shared jokes. Yes. yes, it's such it's a lovely. it's such a well. That's why that dancing scene a beautiful is so great too. Where you're like, oh right, they're all so bought into all of it. Right, like, yeah. they're all right. so cool with it. But and the, and the, and that's revealed with with such gentleness that, like because just, of you're yeah. looking at it through Ed's eyes. That's yeah. why I think the movie is so brilliant. Right, where it's like 
Ed sees Bella. He meets him, right? He knows something's up with him. Like Bella's right. a sad figure. He lives in this crummy house out in the middle of nowhere. But, you but know, there's that like Lemmy says a, a big star. Like you must, you must have tons of pictures lined up. Like <laughs> right. you cannot, right. can't, can't fathom, fathom it. No, right. And then you know, in that first when you know when Bella goes off to obviously like take you know his heroin. Right. You have that amazing uh, like sort of like shadow play. Like, right. And to Ed, like Ed knows something is up, but he doesn't really think about it that hard. Yeah. Do you guys know that I, I was- love kids? <laughs> <laughs> You guys know that I was a literary agent yes, in the yes, 1990s. Yes. 1994, I was working at Writer's House Literary Agent when this movie came out. Okay. And do you know that I was the literary agent to Bruce Campbell, the actor? Really? Oh, if Chins Could Kill or whatever. If Chins Could Kill. Right, was, that was the book, that right? That was the book that I, I sold, that. that I sold for him. Damn. Wow. That Good was a job. big book. That book was everywhere. Yeah. Like, it, I would, anytime I was in a library, it would be prominently displayed. Libraries. Like. <laughs> Sorry. Thieves. Sales. Thieves. <laughs> <laughs> they buy one book. These jerks. <laughs> These cock-sucking librarians. Eddie. You don't even have to pay for membership. Uh, if there are librarians listening to this now, let me tell you. Stop stealing from me. John Hodgman vacation and available in <laughs> bookstores for sale so I can feed my children. Wait, so it was Bruce Campbell your agent to sort of complete the circle once you started writing books? That would be fun, you know. <laughs> well, he would have done a better job for me than I did for him. Oh, hey. what do you mean? Well, no, but it was a, it was a thing where, like, the, we had just gotten the internet in the office. Yeah. And first thing I did was type in my name. Yeah. Nothing came back. Next thing I did was type in Bruce Campbell because like five I million Campbell. angel fire pages. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, that, including right. his own. Right. Yeah, sure, sure. So he had a GeoCities or something. Yeah. And he was he was before there was blogging. He was blogging. He was writing yeah. like, here's this weird story from when I was on set for McHale's Navy uh-huh. with Tom Arnold sure, or whatever. Right. right. And he was a funny writer. Right. So and he'd wrote, done it all. He'd been around. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I and I and I clicked the email thing and I said, Have you ever thought about writing a book? I'm sure you're, and it was the same thing. It's like, you must have dozens of movies lined right. up. Right. He's like, no, I'm living on a lavender farm in yeah. Southern Oregon. Crazy. I uh, have all the time in the world to write this book. And so he did. And I also felt like, well, this is my, this is my big break. Yeah. Like I've got a celebrity book. I've got a celebrity client. Right. You know, Bruce Campbell, star of evil dead and uh, army of darkness. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, these, uh, this was uh, uh, music to no ears in, in publishing in 1997 but or eight or so. It did so very well. It right? did of course, yeah. because people were dumb. Right. Yeah. Like it's hard, it's hard to imagine a time now yeah. when what we term as nerd culture right. or mm-hmm. geek culture or, or film niche-y. culture or niche right. 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 or anything. I mean, this was, in the mid to late nineties, there was barely an internet at this time. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, Bruce was this classic guy who, if he went to a horror movie convention, right. People go bananas. People right. go bananas in the convention hall. Right. Yeah. And in the lobby, he'd just be this shemp that right. no one would know right. who he was or care, you know? And the, the people who were buying books at the time were lot were lobby people. Yeah. They were, you know, they, they're like, give me, I don't know these movies. These movies are this Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Wasn't that show canceled? And I'd have to be like, yeah, but well, actually, there wasn't much of an argument to make for that. But, you know, <laughs> but I would say, look, he's going to these conventions yeah. and he'll sit there and sign things that people bring to him for two hours. Right. right. And the the one thing that he's not signing is 
something that he owns, his book. Well, and the other you know? thing is you go like, okay, so maybe only 2% of the population in 1994 knows Bruce Campbell by name. But every single person in that 2% is going to buy, going that, to buy book. that book. It's not like, oh, yeah, right, Tim You're Allen. describing the economic <laughs> right. model of all podcasts as right, well, right. I point It's, out. it's yes. when like pop culture changes <laughs> right. where it's like yeah. they realize like, well, if you have a really engaged niche – right. You can produce the same numbers as someone who's known you by can everyone. Be, right. You most people might not know you, but you can be enough people's favorite thing. Like it was, that you, yeah. Right, it was yeah. at a time when you if if you if people were beginning to acknowledge that if that a niche was something you could sell to. But yes. it was also before there was still a mainstream though. Now I, there isn't. Right. Sure. I think right. I've I've That's told this story in the podcast before, but I went to cover VidCon, the the YouTuber social media oh, sure. vlogger convention. For a TV show that then got canceled after we uh, produced the package uh-huh. of me covering VidCon. And we were in the lobby checking in, and it was just like Beatlemania times a billion. Oh, we're yeah. like, every five seconds, another kid with like good sneakers would walk out and would get mobbed by 47, 13 year olds and their moms. And we were like checking and being like, do you know who that is? Do you have any yeah. idea who that is? Have you even heard of these people? And then uh, I was like, oh shit, look over there. And it was Katie Couric. Surrounded by like six bodyguards. Right. And she clearly was like, fuck, let's just walk quickly. I don't want to get spotted. No and one cared. No one knew. No one cared. Who and you could see her was. going from being like defensive, like, I don't want to be bothered, to being like, why is no one bothering me? Right. But it was that thing where it's like every single person who's a fan of this fucker with the swoop haircut and the and the dunks is standing right next to him right now. Right. And they will pay any amount of money for anything he touches. Well, you guys are familiar with the Janoskians? The Janoskians. Come yeah. on. A troop of young prank, prank video uh, uh, makers oh, from Australia. Oh, they're Australia, Australian I say. Yes. Okay. I'm not familiar with these this people. Is, in 2013, I'm taking an airplane. They look like someone like just randomly cast a bunch of people to play YouTube stars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I thought you were mispronouncing the name of the uh, uh, battle-obsessed uh, alien bug species from Star Wars Episode to Attack the Clones, the Genosians, of course. The Genosians. The Genosians. No, yeah. I, I took this plane to Chicago for, uh, for uh, uh, a comedy festival. A couple of these doofuses... Got kicked off the plane. Oh, they were they were were they doing a prank on the plane? They were trying to pull a prank on the flight attendant. The flight attendant says no. What was the prank? I I don't. Do you think the the pilot was like we we got a couple of skins and like air traffic control? (laughs) All I all I know is that they 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 came these these three young dudes ironic hijacking came giggling down the aisle to take their seat wherever they were sitting. And then there was a lot of whispering among the flight attendants, and then they came giggling back up the aisles. They were escorted off the plane. Wow. And wow. Uh, then the pilot got on and said, uh, sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be delayed for a few moments. A couple of uh, passengers had to be escorted from the plane. Uh, they uh, were not the kind of people we like to have flying. Uh, they don't uh, deserve to fly with us today. Frankly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, like you got, wow. They got heavy. But then, they, and then I landed, and on the other side, everyone got off the plane. Mm-hmm. Was like, what was that? What was that? And I said, oh, it's the Janoskians, these these YouTube kids, yeah. and they they were coming to do something completely different. They're not part of the comedy festival. Yeah, but they they, they finally arrived. They got the next flight, uh-huh. and they were staying in my hotel. Oh boy! And I had never seen this happen before. But by the next day, there was a constant vigil of hundreds. Of teenagers like, outside, the, outside hotel. the hotel, Jesus Christ! Yeah, all the time. Like yeah. if you were, and it was, it, and they were just waiting for them to come out. Yeah, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Like hundreds of of young people sitting on the 
background. Yeah. And it was like, well, this is the kind of thing you, you would think, like the Beatles. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, anyway, people knew about Ed Wood and Mainstream because this movie came out in 1994. Sure. People right. did not know generally who Bruce Campbell was. Right. And it was that. They might have heard of The Evil Dead, right? Like, that yeah, might and be I was definitely Ed Wood to Bruce, to right. Bruce Campbell's Bella in that point. I was just like, this is so incredible, Mr. Campbell. Thank right. you so much for having right. me. I was taking the time. I was like, sure, kid. But here's a right. movie about people who were not popular, successful, nor critically supported. Right. You know, it wasn't like, oh, they, they were the un, under, uh, you no, know, sort of forgotten, essentially. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, the thing about Plan 9, there's two. Th- I mean, Bride of the Atom, I guess the funny thing. Have you seen the movie? Have you guys seen these I've movies? Seen I've, seen Plan Plan Nine. Nine. I've seen Plan 9. I've seen Plan 9. Yeah. I've seen all three of the movies that are in this film. This Those movie, essentially the seen. structure is. It's like, three films. Right. Glenn or Glenda, Bride of the Monster is what it was essentially Com- called in Plan yeah. 9. And Bride of the Monster really is just the thing where Bella is like flopping around with the octopus right. that I guess Wait, is, is it called of, Bride of the Adam or Bride of the Monster? It was, it was it's released called as Bride of the Monster. Some real yeah. deep internet knowledge yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, you. Wow. Yeah. Um, you're up. welcome. Glenn or Glenda is a truly strange because yes. it's not I've never seen it. It's not like a schlock movie like the other ones. Like are, no, it's a real are, like song of his heart. Yes, yes, and he's in it obviously. Right. But then also it has these cuts to Bela Lugosi as a weird scientist man who's pulling right. the strings. That's pull the string, right. right? And all this stock footage of like yeah, buffaloes running by where you're like, I mean, that's the one that is aggressive outsider art. Like you know yeah. where you're just like, I can't understand how anyone ever Th- thought this was. That's one of releasable. my favorite little like scene more slits is the early chunk of the movie where he's working on the studio lab oh, and he doing sees odd the jobs. stock footage guy. The stock right. guy brings him in. He's like, "What would you make out of this?" And right. he's narrating how he would work it into a narrative. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because the octopus is going to be his big climax. Right. That's what's so good about this ways. I mean, Karasuski and Alexander are such good writers. They did American Crime Story, right? Yeah. You know, they did right. other things. Like they're sort of good at weaving all that in, like organically. That so yeah. when he then writes the script with the octopus in it, like fifty minutes later, like you know just, where you got like, that oh, of idea, course. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Plan Nine. I feel like it's not just that it's it's so crummy. Yeah. But it's also the bellow thing. The the. The dentist thing. Right. It became a it, it movie where it's, you could see it's it's right. 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 I'm sorry. The, the guy's so big he couldn't come out of the grave. The actor died, so right. they hired a chiropractor. Like the behind the scenes it's, stories. Well, you're of telling it. stories right. to each other as you're watching this thing where you're like, right. you can't you won't believe like what is the backstory here. Right. right. Yeah. Unpacking plan nine is a lot more fun than watching plan nine. Right. And vampire is in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, right. Yeah, plan nine. I mean, a lot of these movies are just conversations mostly. Like right. in right. very talking. You can't afford yeah. anything more. Exactly. Oh God! I but love it when Dolores something. comes yes. in and plays the secretary, and oh, he's like, "That sad. was great," and she's like, "I know it was." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that whole chunk of her like coming in asking for her motivation. He's right. like, "You're a secretary. You're a file clerk. <laughs> You're a file clerk. You're going to file some things." Oh boy! Um, right. He, he there's just enough uh, regular person in Edward for him to not seem like a total space alien. Right. Like when he gets frustrated, you're like, okay, I'm glad right. the guy's frustrated because right, 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 this right. obviously is beginning to mount on him. But I think that's the reason, like the thing that differentiated Ed Wood from a bunch of other guys is that like this was never hack work for him. Like he was right, like, right. these are all opportunities for me to the like. Big picture. Right, right. These right. are opportunities for me to really say something. Right. And the whole sort of Orson Welles thing that like he views himself as Obviously a guy. that scene is wonderful. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, I mean, this is a, a thing that I love is that... It's your man, Vincent, Ben. Ben's best friend, Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. You plays a, Orson Welles. Are you a, a D'Onofrio? Um, I mean, he's, he's real into the Kingpin. I'm super into his performance as Kingpin. We also went to the same high school. Really? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Ben yeah. tweeted at him, and and D'Onofrio retweeted. He did. But didn't give a follow back. Oh. No follow back. But that's okay. I'm going to get- One out of two ain't bad. I'm going to get D'Onofrio on the show someday. You think so, Vinny? Talk ditches. Sure. Yeah, we'll talk some ditches. One time, my children, I live in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and my children uh, decided to have a stoop sale Mm -hmm. and uh, sell off some old uh, books and stuff. You know what? It's a done thing in Park Slope. Maybe it was also a lemonade stand. Maybe it was a- a, a, It's like a combination. Taco Bell and (laughs) Pizza Hut. Yeah. (laughs) Side by side. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and they were, they were youngish. Mm-hmm. They, they, they couldn't just be out there on the street without having someone there. And boy, mm-hmm. was I glad that I was there <laughs> to keep an eye out uh-huh. because at some point I've noticed this guy is just standing off to the side, just like watching my kids for a long time. Oh, oh yeah. A little and then the, a really weird detail was that he was smoking a cigarette, but he was keeping the cigarette behind his back. <laughs> so every now and then he would just puff on the cigarette. And then put it back behind his back. back. Just kind of watch my kids sell lemonade and kind of nod along and take it all in. And it doesn't get a real sense of menace necessarily, Mm. but there was a definitely an odd vibe. And I realized, oh, that's Vincent D'Onofrio. That's That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) The the D'Onofrio is just his way of being. That's just him him being out in the the world. I I definitely remember seeing him in situations like that in the early 2000s in, in New York City. Like, oh yeah, like, like, like in his like criminal just, intent years, where yeah. it's just like, oh, who's that weird guy? And he's like, oh, that's famous character actor Vincent D'Onofrio. It is so weird that he, he was on a you Law and Order first, show, like, yes, where he played a Sherlock Holmes guy, yeah, who, like who would like look at the air and be like, the killer was left-handed, or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, shit like that. But he was sort of this like regular kind of like uneasy presence of like Brooklyn and and downtown Manhattan in those years. He, they cast him, I think, because of a physical resemblance to Orson Welles. Certainly not for his voice. Obsessed with Orson Welles and is like, this is like, I want to like really represent this man in this one scene. They shoot it. He doesn't sound enough like Orson Welles. Right. They dub him with Maurice LaMarche. With, sure. with the brain. Voice of the brain. Right. He is the brain. And he's, uh, he's Orson the premier Wells Orson Welles impersonator. Every time there's a cartoon character, He is what Orson Welles sounds like to me. Like, I mean, when I hear Orson Welles, I'm like, well, eh, yeah. you could maybe lay it on a but little thicker. Do you know that, like, this becomes D'Onofrio's, like, Waterloo, that he couldn't get the voice right, and oh, he keeps no. on trying to play Orson Welles, no, and he Vinny. eventually a self-financed, directed, and starred <gasps> in a short film no. That's like uh, Orson Welles getting ready for like a Mercury it's Theater like production. Five Minutes, Mr. Yeah, Wells five or minutes Mr. Wells right. or something. And he yeah. got the voice down, like to his credit. I bet his voice wasn't even that bad. And I'm going to say this right now. I'd love to hear I love it. that scene. Yes. It's a little distracting. But it's yeah. really jarring. Oh, you yeah. mean the, 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 the dubbing Maurice itself? Yeah. It is. Well, because, and, and even, and I love Maurice LaMarche. Right. Yeah. Uh, I love the brain. I love the brain, but it is the brain. But it is so, it is, it is such a bit. Yes. Yeah. That it does. It doesn't feel it, right. It and this does is a, give it a weird sort of mythic weight to it because well, I mean, it feels otherworldly. In the scene, or sure, he is yeah. trying to take over the world. Like yes. Yes. He I is mean, trying to take right. over the world. I mean, he is plotting every right. other night. Right. right. Uh, and, and, no, you're right. But you're right. but D'Onofrio really does look like Orson Welles. And, and the mannerisms, the mannerisms, all of it. It's acting. It's not just what he looks like. Yeah. I remember my mom being like when I was watching this movie for the first time because Orson Welles was lit a very specific way. Even if he was sitting in a bar, working on a working on getting fun. Funding for Don Quixote. Right, yes. Yep. Right. No, he, he'd always bring in a fill light. <laughs> someone was telling, I was talking to someone Some who, frozen peas. who worked on one of the Mission Impossible movies and they said, Tom Cruise, a fan comes up to him, will always stop, take the picture with him, but he'll make a lighting guy run in and hold up like a key light. Oh, really? Me? Yeah. I, mean, and I was like, that guy's a fucking pro. Yeah, because he's a pro. He's giving him a good photo. He knows his ankles. 
He's like, can you just come in here and just three quarters right here? Absolutely. Yeah. And he probably wants the other people to look good too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Boy, I, it's not often that I, people will ask for a photo with me. Uh-huh. But No. No, not uh, maybe like I'm on like, tour. Yeah, you're very visually on, recognizable. Right, right. When I'm on tour, yeah, yeah. like when I'm on tour for like Judge John Hodgman, mm-hmm. we'll do a meet and greet after, and then there'll be some photographs. Sure, but people just like I, I, I feel very happy that I've spent some time in front of the camera, so I know a little bit of how light works. Uh huh. Because people have no idea. Yes. Like they backlight themselves all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little inside baseball. A little light. I, I've told the story about. How do you feel about the fact that Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin? is currently the acting attorney general of the United States. See, that's, okay. That seems a controversial choice. It feels like a conflict of interest. By Donald Trump to choose (laughs) Vincent D'Onofrio. He made it clear though, as the kingpin. As the kingpin, as whatever the fuck his name is, Whitaker. Do you know what I find funny about this? Like at the, right. You want to say uncanny. I'm not talking about like Bella Gossi looks like this chiropractor. These guys look a lot. It's one to one. What I find funny about this is at the time we're recording, Matt Whitaker is the acting acting AG. Right. 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 AG. By the time this episode comes out, who knows? Even odds that Wilson Fisk is actually right. yeah, the actually he's the jumped out of the pages of comic looks books. Like right. him. It yeah. will be literal Marvel supervillain. Yeah, Wilson that's my Fisk. first yeah. act is to crush the spider. Right. <laughs> um, uh, Stiltman will be head of agriculture. Oh, sure. I like I like Stiltman. Uh, Boone High School was the high school. Uh huh. <laughs> Boone yes. in New Jersey was where the Misfits recorded their first album, Walk uh-huh. Among Us. Right. Which references a lot of these films. Yes. The Misfits have Ed Wood song. Yeah. And, oh. and Booton, New Jersey is famous for being uh, the only uh, city in the United States of America that actually is located entirely within one boot, right? It's <laughs> yeah. an old dirty boot in a in river. A ditch. In a ditch. Well, yeah, with a population of 4,000. What <laughs> happened to that town is then they flooded It's a port the key. They flooded. They flooded the port key. Yeah, that's right. It's a battered old port key on a hill. So the former town that was built in a boot is under the river now. Oh, wow. Apparently, Uh, there's like an Atlantis type. Your waters were the first to be chlorinated? I'm reading a Wikipedia entry for Booton, New Jersey. They have a a site for where the chlorination happened. The motto is a great place to live and work, which... You know, There's a question mark. Take a second we could, pass we could work, workshop that a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something a little bit more specific. I just and think it's a great place to live and work. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, we, have, we, we are a sunken city. <laughs> We're the Atlantis of New Jersey. We can come up with something a little bit more. Like even the Atlantis of the Garden State. Toxic like, a chlorine-soaked ditch hole. Toxic Avenger? Toxic. Was discovered at my high school because he was a janitor. And they said, put Wait, him in a movie. When you said that, I thought you were kidding. No, that's true. Your you know act, that wasn't actually a Toxic Avenger. actually the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> yes. I thought that was a joke no, when we talked about no. that. He uh, was like, we used to call him Melty. And then he got booked. <laughs> All right. I can't even I keep track. I don't want to track this anymore. Now, New Jersey is all satire anyway. It's a very ironic state. I'm ben did is, grow up in Tromaville. Is, is Booton, is New Jersey in Pork Roll territory or Taylor Ham territory? Ooh, or, good question. Or no, Taylor Ham. Taylor Ham. Uh, Taylor Ham. Yeah, well. You are dead to me. Get out of here, Ben. Wow. John is shaking with rage. <laughs> this, this, you could have given me some warning. <laughs> this is one of those movies that's hard to talk about because it is just like, oh, it's just perfect. Well, Here's another talked, scene that's perfect. Right, what's, wrong, to, what's wrong with we that? We talked about Nothing. a lot of the scenes, I, I feel is. like, that particularly yeah. strike. I'm trying to think if there's right. anything else where I'm like. I mean, there. I'm trying know. to think of like other elements I feel like I we haven't talked about. Yeah, I, I like mean, that. I like that the. Um, the 
disgraced senator from Godfather Two got work as a Baptist preacher. Yes. Um, I also like what's his name, Mike Starr, the guy who plays the like the yeah. producer who's like, look, I make crap. Like I already yeah. sold the poster in New Mississippi. Oh or whatever. yeah, like, that guy so is great. very funny. So well, a thing I find interesting, just because I'll bring this up later, but I have seen the the actual Christine Jorgensen story, the one where oh, yeah. the, sure. the company right. she actually sold the right. rights to, which was slightly more respectable. Right. But a, a real kind of like schlocky melodrama company. So they weren't like schlocky, like, you know, genre films, mm-hmm. but it was like ripped from the headlines, true melodrama stories. And that movie feels like the kind of thing that Burton is then riffing on in Big Eyes. Uh-huh. Is oh, that right. sort of like kitschy. weird, There's like sort of sub drama Douglas thingy. Sirk, right, 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 right sort right, of right. like real tale of like, can you believe it? <sighs> That movie is boring. It's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that, boring is the opposite of interesting. Well, interesting. I call it interesting eyes. The, uh, the, the other one that I saw that I had never seen, the other Tim Burton movie that I had never seen mm-hmm. recently, was Big Fish. Oh, yes. Oh, sure. Another big one. And I know you guys are going to cover that. We are. We but now that we're, you know, it's like, yeah, it feels as though this movie, Mars Attacks, mm-hmm. Then he goes into retreat mode. Right. Then Sleepy Hollow. Then it's Planet of the Apes. And then Big Fish comes after that. Big right. Fish is him sort of sneaking out being like, you know, can I be? I mean, that and was the one that felt was like he's taking another. Here's a movie yes. with real people It was people tipped in as it. like right. his, his sort of Oscar coming out movie where right. it's like, yeah, here, finally, the critics and the audiences and the awards voters are all going right. to like shower this with attention. And, and it got then, nominated for best score. Sure. And it did okay. <laughs> did okay. And I saw it 10 times in theaters. That's Bizarre. I was obsessed with it when really? I Really? Yeah. yeah. I had I never I cried okay. during a movie, and that movie just destroyed me in the last 20 minutes, and I was like, I got to keep on getting this that, fix. That movie makes me cry. I think yeah. the ending is lovely. And the ending, like, I think, it's I, I, I think yeah. But it, it, I mean, it's okay. okay I haven't it's seen it since we'll I saw it. So what did you think, what John? What did you think? I saw it in an unusual circumstance. Mm. It was being screened. Uh, on the back of a big fish? Onto one? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly it was right. hard to follow. You just swim real Scalo fast. Scalo vision. To, right. I, I, I was seeing it in an underwater boot in New Jersey. <laughs> sure. No, I, I, had, I, 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 I went to a, uh, a wedding in, in Puglia, Italy. Oh. Uh, Drew Scott, uh, one half of the Property Brothers, got married and invited me to his wedding. Are you serious? Are you friends, Are you with, friends them? with them? I'm friends with both of them. Wow. How did you become friends with the Property Brothers? Well, you know, some people follow me back on Twitter. Sure. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. Hey, like D'Onofrio. Like no. over here. Yeah. Still haven't, I still haven't cracked the D'Onofrio code. Mm. But, the Scott, that, but the Scots are fun guys. Yeah. And somehow they invited me to, well, I say they, but, you know. It's it just CP, one of them. But yeah. they are a unit. He and, his, he and his lovely bride, Linda, invited me to their wedding in Italy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't not go. Sure. Like, yeah. And uh, and I had an extra day there, and Drew was like, "Come on over to our villa." Uh, every, most everyone's gone home, but the family and I are going to watch a movie. You just watch Big Fish in his villa. Big Fish wow. is this like in re- this is recently within the last few yeah years. This, or this spring. So they were yeah. just like, "What should we watch tonight?" I guess Big Fish. It's his favorite movie. Wow, it's his favorite movie. That's and I was nice. and I That's was nice. like, "Wow, this is." It was obviously an unusual to to see Big Fish under the stars projected yeah. off his computer onto a screen. Huh. But it was kind of it was kind of sur- 
appropriately surreal and magical. Say, that seems like a fairly good environment to see that yeah. movie. Right? So that, I enjoyed yes. it very I, much. I'm a right. big fan. I don't think it's perfect, but I do think that was another attempt at a big evolution for him. I mean, you have right. the, the human and was real he punished world, or rewarded for that? I think Sort of in the middle. I think in the middle. It and wasn't think, like enough of a bomb for him to absolutely... That's the problem. Right. I think when you're a guy like that who's had such highs, right. if right. it's middling, you're like, I don't know, I guess I should like go back to the other stuff, you right, know? Right. And I think the other thing is he's always offered that kind of shit. Like, he's never going to have a shortage of people going like, do you want to reboot, like, you know, like the fucking this or that, you know? Right. Do, do you want to do a... Like, at a, least believe it or not or whatever. Right. There like, are always those things properties that, that people to. are coming to him and saying like this, and he's like, I don't know, I guess I could use that as a vehicle to make this thing, right. you know? I guess I could use that. That gives me access to this technology or right. this lo- shooting location or this actor or whatever. That I think it's like, I mean, we, we talked about this in other episodes, we'll talk about it in other episodes, but like in the early 90s, he was like developing a lot of stuff that was like weird passion projects that all now have seemingly like fallen by the wayside that he's not pursuing. Which of those would you like him to revisit? There's the one. Uh, uh, understanding that he is now, he's grown, he's in yes, a different place sure. in his life, maybe he's right. not interested, but what was the one that you wish, what, 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 was, it called? The, what was the one the that got suit, away? So the Iron Boy? It's based on a manga, and he was going to make it as a musical, and Sparks wrote all the songs. Right. Oh, cool. Uh, the melancholy birth of the Iron Boy. Yeah. Crazy. Um, what's your What's your What's your fish that got away? See, I'm what's not, your big fish I'm that not got a away? Burton yeah. guy, like the way that Griffin is. <laughs> uh, it's very funny. I liked it a lot, John. Um, I'm trying to think ugh. the other ones. I mean, yeah. Ripley Do you know what he really close? You know what he was going really to make instead of this, what? and he dropped uh, Mary, Mary Riley. Riley. Right. The uh, oh. the sort of uh, Jekyll and Hyde from right. That was developed as a Tim Burton project. With Winona Ryder. Right. And the studio was like, we're hiring Julia Roberts. And he right. was like, all right, forget it. I'll go do something else. Star of Amazon's Homecoming. That's uh, true. Yes. Formerly yes. a podcast. It's, hey. You think uh, someone, will make you a, see? someone will make a very visually distinctive podcast about blank check? Like where it's like all spiral staircases and shit. Yeah. 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 Same as Mel's been talking of. <laughs> well, those of you who can't see, those of you listening at home can't see that this room is full of spiral staircases. <laughs> this is a kind of an MC Escher upside down. I insisted. Mindscape. It's good for the, good yeah, for good. Artist, uh, acoustics. No, yeah, it's artistic. good. It's good. <laughs> what is the matter with me? <laughs> no, I got it. Uh, the only other thing I want to talk about in the movie is the ending. Yeah, I'd like Unless to talk. I, no, I'd like to talk uh, just very briefly at the beginning as well because I think the beginning is such I'd like a to talk smart. About the middle. Okay, cool. All right, so we, we'll, we got to we'll knock it cool. out. What order should we do it in? Uh, Probably middle first. first. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. What What about the beginning? No, I just think it's such a smart table setting, and I I don't know whether this was in the script or his idea, but I think it puts a perfect frame around the movie and the sort of pitch it's going to be at, and the tone, and sort of the kind of film it's riffing on, even if you haven't seen those movies. Because starting with the uh, Criswell rising from yes. the uh, the coffin yes. and, then and the, the Hollywood set performance, yeah, this right. is one of the I Star, think, played by the very very talented but appropriately unemployable right. yes. Jeffrey Jones, extremely yes. unemployable. Hollywood's probably most well, talented pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> one of the most wildly I'm, unemployable men. I think there's stiff competition. Unfortunately, <laughs> well, let's not use those words. Industry of <laughs> scumbums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. monsters. Not even scumbums. Scumbums. Not even. I mean, not. Even even crumbums, scumbums. Is, is this Sand the first? Packers. No, what's the first Jeffrey Jones? Beetlejuice. Right. We should have talked about this on Beetlejuice. We've talked at work and we talked about Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which we've already recorded. I mean, yeah. all these things. Okay, so you were saying Criswell I, I emerges it, from right, the coffin. Right, and yeah. you're like, even if you didn't grow up watching guys like this, 
his performance is is such a certain type of entertainer. Yeah. The language with which he's speaking, the terrifying true tale, yeah. believe it or not, of uh, you know Edward D. Wood, it like really sets the tone. And then those and that miniature house that you that you go. That's push the other on. thing. You, I mean, yeah. you have all these models, the beautiful like the title cards on the gravestones, uh, gravestones which yeah. is also just nice. Love it's that. like a fucking practical thing that you. Well, the like, practicality is what's so fun about it in general. Yeah, and then that yeah. great transition from I like that fake the model rain, houses, then the you have the stop motion rain. tentacles and everything and then there's the beautiful transition from like that to now we're in a real how come they didn't get a stop motion tentacle into big fish did they have one in there because that's at that point he knows cgi CGI. sorry you were saying no i just think it's like artificiality 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 height and height and height Mm -hmm. and you're seeing what edward's mind his movies would look like right this is like full tim burton artistry right. right and then it literally brings you down to earth to like rainy theater yeah. Here's Ed Wood. Like now, you understand what he is seeing mm-hmm. in his mind's eye, and I, ju- I just think it like lays everything out perfectly. And I like that at the end they bookmark it with the like reverse footage of Criswell going back into right. the coffin. Right. That was, that's what you're going to talk about at the end, David. <laughs> you just stole your thing. Uh, anything about the middle you wanted to get to? I love how it uh, connected the beginning to the end. It does right. do that very yeah. well. It's a great bridge between yes. the two. It really yes. weaves, weaves the two together that was in a very satisfying part. way, right? Yeah, yeah. the good middle, middle. Great. Good, good solid middle. Because I was like, how is this going to end, right? Yeah, and then sure. the end came. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah it kind of And the middle was kind of a bridge to that. You were, yeah. you were like, how is this going to end? And the movie was like, we'll get to that. Right. Hold your horses. Well, I also, I consider the opening credits to be the beginning of a movie. The entire movie is the middle. Right. And then the closing credits to the end. For me, a movie ends, if you ask me, and this is just my oh, opinion, sure. a movie ends after the end credits have finished rolling. Right. That's You're for saying, me. That's it. That's, that's it. the end of the movie. There's, and the lights come up. When the guy comes out sweeping what up What about popcorn. the post-credit sequence? Well, I mean, this is where it gets tricky. So, and once again, I don't want to get political here. For me, if there is a post-credit get sequence. Get ready to cut this up, in, just in case he gets too political. The okay. movie ends after that. And if there isn't a post-credit sequence, it ends before that. Obviously, we're going to have to cut that out. That's Fair. way too inflammatory. Wow. That's uh, for me when a film ends. <laughs> and we're back. Cool. Um, so the ending. No, just, what did just, you want to say about just, the ending? Well, the loveliness of everyone being collected together yeah. at the theater. But just his the, the, the one of the great lines that we all reference this to this day. This is the one I'll be remembered for. Yeah. And the like guilelessness of it. Mm-hmm. And that it's also true. This right. is the one he's remembered the for, right? And it is, yeah. and. That that he gets Tor, to Tor's, give you Tor's family, Tor's his wife and son. I want to know what that actor who played the son is doing now. Uh, a real look to him. No, like that's he, Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> he should have been in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory yeah. if it only made a few years. Yeah, yeah, he had a little gloop. To uh, George Amell Steele in a great fucking performance. Oh, he's so he's good. great. That's that first scene. That it's like one wrestler playing another wrestler. That first too. scene yeah. where like Ed Wood's like, "I want you to be in the picture." He's like, "I'm too ugly for movies." Like yeah. you know, where he's lying on his uh, front. But he just like sees the thing in everyone. The other, I mean, at least Marie is great as. Uh, <laughs> I just Empire. love the thing where Tor has all the lines because no one wants to speak in the movie. There's that, right, the there's that thing. Like, why he's unintelligible. He yeah. And he goes, well, Lugosi's dead. Vampire <laughs> won't speak. we got to give someone the dialogue. Oh, my like, God. Like, everything's so logical to it, you know? Yeah. Like, he never gets, like, I mean, that's a, that other beautiful piece of writing is they walk out of the theater. He feels like he's a mil, you know, walking on sunshine, right? Because it's like the first screen. And maybe of his. the only movie that does not use that song. This might be the one, <laughs> yeah. right? 
But it's like this is the first premiere of his life that didn't end with like tomatoes being thrown in. Right. Do we know why they're they're all rioting in that middle? Yeah, premiere? that was a weird. Is that explained? Why is, I think it was just like like that's it's just like a free crowd, theater, right? That's right. just like where's the movie Bad and they're kids. rioting. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, like I'll, I'll hear like interviews with like people who grew up in that era being right. like the theater was a madhouse. Like it was right, just right. children. Yeah, and they'd play like six B like, movies in a row. Right, and they're just like eating candy and drinking right. soda. And shit. Right, right. right. Yeah. Like it's like a schlock theater. You no, know? I, I get it. It's just sort of it's such a thing when they open the door and it's like right. absolute chaos. But he feels that sense of victory, Eddie. and he loves the people he's surrounded by, and he like says to Patricia Arquette, "Like, let's go get married. Let's oh, drive out it. there." And she's like, "But it's raining, the, right. and the hood is broken." And he was, was like, like, "I'm sure I'll clear up the second we turn uh, the yeah, corner." Like it's a beautiful yeah, optimism of the guy. It is. Yeah. And that he found someone who like loved him for who he was. Yeah, yeah sure. All of the the other thing, yeah, you know, all of the rehab stuff, like and that. Yeah, but yeah, that's it's all. It's also unjudgmentally handled as everything is in this. And, movie. and yeah. I love that when the final footage he shoots with Bella is like the one time that he's kind of soberly seeing everything. I mean, Depp plays it really well, where it's like he's doing this just for Bella. Mm-hmm. So Bella has something to live for. This right. isn't him being like. I can get this movie. Right. I'm using like I'm, you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this to make money here and, right. and do that. It's right. like you probably have a week left, so I, I want you back in your element to feel like you're a star again. Right. That was that was very beautiful. Yeah. Right. It's a beautiful uh, It's a beautiful friendship they have. And I was going to say, I mean, you were saying yes. like the vampire thing. I mean, he's like she's kind of so good, a Lisa pest. Marie. She's so good in it. But he's kind of a pest the whole time. But the thing that I think finally breaks her down is that like, He's also the first guy to call when her career goes bottom up. Yeah. Like he keeps on like trying right, to get right, her in there. Right. She's okay. Value. Now I'm single. She's like a beautiful woman. Like use her in some way. And that's like front page of the newspaper. They cancel her show. Right. She can't get arrested in town. Right. And she's just like, he still doesn't care. Right. She like, gets still... that it's not transactional with him. He, right. he just is an admirer. He yeah. likes, yeah. right. You know that, you know that Dana Gould was to Vampira what Edward was to Bella Lugosi. Really? Yeah. Oh, Dana wow. Gould interviewed her. Oh, and really? Then, huh. And then became her friend and wow. caretaker to the end of her life. That's fascinating. Like not, not live in caretaker, well, but like. Yeah. I do like that the movie acknowledges that Elvira kind of stole her bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, but Dan, Dana has incredible. Yeah. You should get. You should. We should. We should. I mean, get you, should, you should. Drop your embargo on Dana Gould. Yeah. I know that you okay. feel very strongly that he should never be a part of so this. So, Ben, just make a note, delete this episode. We're going to re-record next week with Dana Gould. Yeah, perfect. Um, he's got okay. an incredible story. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, that's, uh, that's, that's uh, nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, you know, in the future, when Dana is getting on in years, you can be Edward to Dana Gould. I would love to Gould. do that. Yeah. I, I would absolutely love that. Right. Um, no, it's... it's, it's just a lovely movie and a wonderful bunch of people. And I'm gonna. I, I have one thing that I want to ask you guys. Sure. Okay. I do not have an answer for this. Okay. It's not like I've got something, you know, prepared. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. We all wish that Tim Burton would find that passion project that he mm-hmm. set aside in the '90s or has a new one today. Yeah. We also know that he's going to be flipping franchises. Mm-hmm. He's going to be putting a fresh coat of paint on some beloved old. Properties. Yeah, he'll mm-hmm. make a He-Man next or whatever. Right. What? What? You're what would charge? you actually like what, to see him what, do? What franchise oh, would you if, have him if flip? I had to like let him loose at a franchise? Yes, yeah. right, right. Like in 1999. Just, yeah. All right. He's never made a sci-fi. I know Mars Attacks is well, a sort of a sci-fi, but it's is like space the bad 1999. Hang on, hang on. I'm still marveling. I'm still reveling in this amazing idea. This full circleness of it, space but space it's also yeah. 
It's also a great idea. Right? Space, Tim Burton's Space 1999. The moon goes flying off into the galaxy David or whatever. David Sims, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, and, and non-binary know. people who are listening. There, there is, I mean, the tricky thing with him is you go, okay, so it's like one of two columns. Would, it's, that it's, sounded like I was making a joke at the expense of non but no, I, no, no, I don't no, say I, ladies and yeah. gentlemen anymore. That was a, for that reason. And that was a that was a verbal tick, and I and I take it back. I, I try David to Sims say, listeners, yeah, to yeah. this podcast. I do folks. G- bre- bre- uh, well, ladies genius. and gentlemen, right? It's just F- sort of, it's, like, it's like stage pattern. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. right. Uh, still, anyway. Uh, no, it's a genius idea. Is what I'm saying. It's a great idea. Greenlit in the room. That is, I I think that's the line. I think you might want to make it through. like 2099. Just nope, 1999. All right, yeah. fair enough. Um, I don't mind. It's it's all about the starring second, Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, now that's what I call music compilation. Um. No, I, you know, I, I think the better line of thinking is, like, what genres has he not played in yet? Because there is that thing where you go, like, okay, well, you either pick something that feels like it's right in his wheelhouse. Right. Like, there was the rumor a couple of years ago that he was going to do a stop-motion Adams Family, and you were like, they don't need to make that. We all have it in our heads. You right. say it, and I can picture the whole thing. Right. It's a waste of time. But then the opposite thing of, like, what if he did a take on something that you never think Timbert would do? You're like, but I know what that's going to look like, too. So you kind of stop want stalling, him. Griffin. What do I want him Tim to Burton's do? Tim Burton's the tick. Yeah, that's the answer. No, I mean, I'll <laughs> not t- the worst idea in the world. No, no I'll, t- I'll no. tell you. Like, I would like. I think it would be cool to see him return to the superhero world, but do something like like Dead Man. You know? Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, those weird sort of like pulpier sort of mystical sci-fi mm-hmm. son of characters. Satan. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, do do some Jack Kirby shit, Etrigan the Demon. I mean, I just feel like there are things like that where it's like it's a property, but it's not a hugely well known thing. But you're getting in because it's the DC umbrella or right. something, mm. and give him a really functional like three act story. Your your uh, uh, can Tim Burton make the correct Fantastic Four? I don't I don't think he's the guy. But I, I, don't, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, I would see his Fantastic Four. Circa whenever they want to make a Fantastic Four movie for the first time, right? You know, like right. Whenever why can't has, we have one every year? I, yeah, I, I'd be fine I'd, with that. I mean, if you like offer me the choice of no more Fantastic Fours, and just every year there's someone else takes a crack at it. Yeah, I'd take, I'd take the latter. I feel like, but I mean, based on this yes. movie and the and the sense of offbeat, off kilter family that he mm-hmm. was able to create yeah. in this movie. Yes, there's a now version I'm of that thinking, you can see. Yeah. yeah. I th- I feel like the the logical end game here is that Marvel is just going to let Peyton Reed make the Fantastic Four movie. Wouldn't that be an incredible yeah. full circle? That's what I'm hoping happens, thing. and they let him make something that's fairly close to what he really originally wanted to make. Obviously, the landscapes change; it would now have to fit into this larger machinery. But if they let him make a sort of like period stylized Fantastic Four movie. Which I think at this point, the only way they could really work Fantastic Four into the Marvel universe this late in the game it's is a flashback. To, to do a different time period, to do an alternate dimension. Alternate dimension, they right. get sucked into our dimension or something. Right. I don't know. You do a period movie and then there are people out of time. But that's I don't what know, I would love like if you that. did a real kind of like. I mean, give it to know, Peyton Reed. In like Flint kind of. I think Peyton Reed is the. It, the I, I have to assume he's at least mentioned to Kevin Feige like, one day if you want to do I Fantastic Four, about I'm it here. All the time. I'm a proven yeah. guy for you, you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 That's, I think, the end game here. Um, that, that you, so, but what's your answer with Tim Burton? My answer, I think Dead Man. I think Dead, Dead Man. Man would be a cool thing. I'd rather see him pick something like that that doesn't come with a tremendous amount of cultural baggage, you know? Right. Where right. there isn't a real strong preconceived notion of like, well, I know what the regular Dumbo's like. 
Ben, you got one? You got a Tim Burton franchise flipper? Is there a rave franchise? A, uh, I'm a sorry, movie a about rave? rave movie? Like, yeah. Like, do you just want like Tank Girl or something? Oh, yeah. Like something okay, like Tim that. Tim Burton's Tim Burton's 90s. Tank Girl. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm just trying right. to think of subcultures from the 90s that I would be interested to see oh, Tim see Burton have saying. a take oh, on. Right. Like, a so like rave culture. Right. I, right. I hear he's going to, uh, I hear he's going to uh, reboot uh, the singles uh, universe. <laughs> hey, that'd be fun. People making His, video. Matt Dillon is coming back. His only on-screen acting appearance. Was that? He plays in singles the guy who runs the video dating service. Tim Burton does? Correct. I have to leave. He did that it without the crazy. internet. I know. Well, we have done, we did do a singles episode. Speaking of which, I do have to leave. So, yeah, let's yeah, play yeah, the box no, we're, we're done. We're done. Let's play the box office. We're just game. playing oh, the by box the way, office game. So, we've heard all the pitches. Mm-hmm. Tim Burton's Singles. Right. Tim Burton's Dead Man. Yeah. Tim mm-hmm. Burton's Space 1999. Mm-hmm. Yes. Obvious winner. Folks listening within the sound of my voice, get ready for Tim Burton's Space 1999, greenlit in the room, absolutely oh, yeah. going to Wow, happen. that's the winner. Okay. Wow. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I'm People you don't forgot even to get mention to the introduction right. that Obviously. you have ultimate greenlight power in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, when people find out that I agented Bruce Campbell's book, they're uh, like, yeah. let's not second guess this guy again. What was, the, what was the widest this film ever went? The widest this film ever went was um, 623 wow. theaters. Uh, it made a total of $5.8 million. Yeah. Uh, so obviously it did not make its budget back. Did not cross over. No, it didn't cross over. Also uh, just weird to think about Disney making a film like this today. It's crazy to think about Touchstone back in the day. Yeah. The, the weekend of September 30th is, was, it opened the New York Film okay. Festival wow. and it just came it's out the in theaters. Film. Yeah. Uh, it opened on two screens, uh, this weekend. So it's not in the top five. Mm-hmm. So your number one movie is a movie that I truly appreciate and love. It is a. Like kind of like a white knuckle thriller slash domestic drama, uh, starring a an Oscar winning, uh, person, uh, a, a lady or a gentleman. Lady, Is I was trying not to give you a lady. River Wild. Yeah, because I knew okay. if I said lady, you would just know. I it. had a feeling it was River Wild. Uh, Ten point two million orders, dollars. Benjamin Bratt. Yes, Bratt Bacon. Strathairn. Oh, Strathairn. It's got what a cast. I, I'm Curtis just, Hansen picture. I always love when Strathairn's above the title. He's above it. What a good name to put above a title. Do we? Say, is it Strathairn? I, I don't believe know. so. David yeah. Strathairn. That's I how think, I say it. I think that name is fun to read, fun to say. And I have a and, great time every time I say Strathairn. And, and, right, uh, right, right. Fun, fun to watch. Fun to, fun to watch. watch. A real actor's actor. An actor's actor. Yeah. Is actor. Um, Actors love Strathairn. Sure, who wouldn't? It's royalty. He's the Strathairniest of them all. Now, number two at the box office was number one the previous two weeks. It's a sci-fi actioner. Oh, wow. Uh, that I, I, I enjoy. It's of an enjoyable piece of 90s marginalia. Yeah. Did it get any sequels? It must have. It didn't get any like theater sequels. It didn't become a big franchise. But there must be some straight to VOD like... I don't know. Maybe not. It's 1994 sci-fi. Based on a comic book, I believe. Uh, from, you know, a director that we've covered one of his movies. We've covered one of this director's movies. There was a directed TV DVD sequel starring Jason Scott Lee with the subtitle, The Berlin Decision. And you'd be bad at this job. You'd be so bad at it. I'd be bad at this job. Tank Girl? It is. No, it remains the highest grossing film for this actor. Who is like a 90s star and was on Amazon at one point. Oh, oh, it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme film. That's true. Oh, I know it. What is it? 
Time Cop? That's right. I would be very bad at that. Job. Peter Hyams's <laughs> Time Cop. And Peter Hyams, of course, directed... Uh, Running Scared. Running Scared. Yes. Now, number three is a film I did not know of. Mm-hmm. Saw Time Cop in the theater, also the Chelsea. I saw all the movies at the Chelsea. Time Cop's not bad. Ron Silver. Not bad. Ron Silver. Right. That's a big silver. Yeah. Uh, so this, Silver was gold back This then. is a film I've never heard of. Apparently, it is an erotic drama. How dare you? Pitched right, I dare. right at African-American audiences. An uh, erotic drama pitched right at African-American yes. Are you being sarcastic? Or no. Or was it really? I am not being sarcastic. It was a Gramercy picture, which wow. I think was an old Universal like label. Yeah, yeah. Uh, starring Jada Pinkett, Bokeem Woodbine, Alan Payne. I've never heard of this movie. It was fairly well received. It came out. It made twenty million dollars. Bokeem Woodbine, another name that is Just fun to say, fun to read. Absolutely electric. Name. Pleasure to watch on screen. Yeah, I love him. Uh, like this was like well received. I've never heard of it. I don't think I have heard and of it And it really is one of those title. things. This is a year of my, my 23rd year on Earth. This and is, I should, this you is, were hot. This is prime hot. I can't believe. <laughs> I should have known this. I was. I didn't have children. Prime I was hot. going to movies all you the time. You were seeing erotic so I was basically constantly. living at the Chelsea it, Theater. It's yeah. set in Houston. Does that help? <laughs> I don't think I know It's this just part. sort of amazing to think of studios like bothering to make like yeah. all kinds of movies back then. They would try like, shit. You know, right, yes. Yeah, so yeah. let's, let's say, yeah. It's called Jason's Lyric. Oh, I do know that title. I have no idea what that movie was, but I knew that title. Yeah. So okay. there you go. Number four is the best picture winner of 1994. Uh, so it's Forrest Gump. Yes. Still number, going strong. Still going strong in his 13th week. It's made $269 million. Uh, my uh, sister Romley watched that movie for the first time and uh, very recently was like, what the fuck is that thing? It is one of and those was things like, where you're yeah. like, I can't explain it, but everyone was crazy for it this thing. It seemed fun at the time. <laughs> four quadrant blockbuster. <laughs> right. Yeah. You watch it now and you're like, is this offensive? Like, right. you know, it's not just the way you're like, I don't get no, the it's appeal offensive. of yeah. this. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I think this movie is just nakedly offensive. But yeah. She was like, she was like, I don't even know if that's good or bad. Can you just explain to me how that fits into the history of our culture and our species? Right. What was that? It's like the ultimate baby boomer movie, but also it's this offensive comedy. I don't know. Right. Like, anyway, Forrest Gump. What do you think of Forrest Gump, Jason? Jason. Jason. John. John Huntsman, I'm John, guess. Right. Sean Huntsman. <laughs> Oh, Jason's lyric. That's why it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Jason's lyric made of Forrest Gump. Uh, I have not seen it since it came out. Wow. Um, and I remember being a little, a little turned off. Right? Well, I was turned off by its political point of view. Sure. Yeah. Uh, hippies are bad. Yeah. Hippies yeah. are bad. Yeah. 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 Promiscuous sex will end, you know. You'll end up in the coffin or what whatever. What a fucking weird movie. Very weird movie. Very Life weird is, movie. But I love Tom Hanks so much. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Uh, number five is another of the Best Picture nominees. A great movie about how wasps run and ruin the world. Quiz Show? Yes. Love Quiz Show. Quiz great Show. Movie. Quiz Show. Great movie. Robert Redford's Quiz Show starring Ray Fiennes, John Turturro. And the other guy, the guy from uh, Northern Exposure who's doing that bad yep. Boston accent. Uh, Rob Morrow. Rob yep. Morrow. Whose daughter's and, name uh, is? I don't know. Robba? Two. His daughter's name is Tomorrow. I swear to you, his daughter's name is Tomorrow. T U, I believe. That's one of those things that it feels like you have been waiting four years on this podcast for someone to mention Rob Morrow. You had that fact. I knew that fact before I knew who Rob Morrow was. They do have a daughter named Two. My my wife grew up in in Atlanta Uh uh, and in elementary school. Uh, they had a, a like fifth, fourth grade. Mm-hmm. They had a classmate, son of the local police chief, mm-hmm. Chief Hand. His son's name was Dixon. Oh boy! Guess how they guess how they made fun of him? 
Guess what his nickname was? Uh, Dixon Hand. I'm trying to think of how you could work You're not, that into something. Yeah, I know it's crazy, right? Uh, right. They Dick- they were too. They didn't even recognize the joke. Really? They called him Jupiter, largest of the planets, because he was husky. Oh boy! They were too. <laughs> it was right there. They couldn't. They couldn't get themselves. They couldn't bring themselves to make a Dixon wow. Hand joke. Wow. Uh, well, talk, talking about uh, dicks, you, you got a TV show called I, called I, Dick Town. Oh, oh I'm not oh. sure that when will that be? Will that still be I, far off in the horizon? I'm Animation sh- takes a long time. We're, I mean, we're told sometime in the spring of okay 2019. So it'll be, it'll be okay. So yeah. there, there is a there is a show that I'm uh, working with uh, David Reese, past and future, past and future guests. Yeah, we gotta get it back. Um, an on. animated show for FXX, mm-hmm. maybe by this time FXXXXX. They maybe. might add a few yeah. more X's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's F- a very, it's a fun little show and uh, some uh, great voice Big acting town. by um, Griffin Newman. <coughs> oh, you're amazing. in that one, huh? Mm-hmm. You snuck your little, you snuck your little voice I on. Snuck there? my little tush on that show. And uh, if this is the plug portion, you can also listen to me every week. Uh, Judge John Hodgman, a podcast from MaximumFun.org. And you can buy my book, Vacation Land, now available in paperback oh, wait, at I, stores. Don't go to libraries. I hadn't heard that it had been released in paperback. Yeah, I feel has. like you haven't been getting the word out about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, You can go to libraries and you can take it out of the library too. That's fine. I, as long as you keep it. Yeah. Right. I mean, so we have a deal. The, here's, a, here's the thing. Uh, it's, a, it's a special bonus we've got arranged with the publisher. If you buy the book, it frees you from the obligation to read it. So that's a good deal for you. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. see. Right. You can just buy There's it. There's no ticking clock. On the yeah. pile. If you borrow it from the library, you got to read it. That's that's how you pay. Yeah, I, I like the idea of you using your like million plus social media followers to just fully take down the American library. <laughs> You're just like, this is my battle. You know, I really liked John Hodgman until that turn no. he took later. No, I love libraries. <laughs> just kidding. Love, Death to love the library. You know, libraries are with such precarious ground and Hodgman. Put his pressure on, and that yeah. was all it took. Wait, yeah, it's on. Throw a Molotov cocktail into <laughs> your local library. Remember to sign it from John Hodgman. You know, I, wa- like, I, I waved a withered John feather Hodgman. at their back, and they <laughs> fell over the cliff. You know, it's like in Eng- I do take responsibility. <laughs> in England, like King Edward the Fourth, he kind of like he took all the monasteries. Now Edward the Sixth, sorry, not Fourth. Yeah, you, you want to be that, but how for would you libraries. know anything about England? Oh, get out of here! Come on now. Right at the end. Yes, King Edward the Sixth. Thank Look you all up, for listening. Basically, started the English education system. Subscribe. Go to blankies.rad.com for some real nerdy shit. Thanks to Ange for Gudo for our social media. Lane Montgomery for a theme song. Joe Bo and Pat Rounds for artwork. Season two of The Ticks. I'm coming out at some point. Cannot wait. If you like this episode, it's like that for 10 episodes of a TV show. Extra nipples. Extra nipples. Spoiler. Nip a lot of nip, nips. Nefarious Dr. Nipsey. Nipslip. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, tune in next week for our uh, what's next week? Uh, uh, Mars, Mars Attacks. Attacks episode. Oh yeah, Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah, Paul F. Tompkins is not welcome. Uh, no. He will not be on the show. Right, exactly. Terrible. Uh, so tune in to see who we have as a guest on in his place. Right, right. Uh, next week, and as always, I forgot to say this in series on the films of Tim Burton. It's called Powerwood Scissor Cast. Yeah. <laughs>